Hey everyone, this is Stephen Overbaugh and you're listening to my podcast. Once again, thank you for joining me today. We're going to get into the Word and continue to teach along the lines of what we were last week. And for this lesson, we're calling it the gift to the church. And how many know that the church has been given a gift? The church of the Lord Jesus Christ has been given a gift. It's a gift from our Father God and it's the gift of the Holy Ghost. You know, Jesus taught a lot about the Holy Ghost. He taught extensively, especially in the Gospel of John, about the Spirit of God and who He is and what His work and what His ministry would be in the earth in these last days. And you go back to John chapter 14, chapter 15 and chapter 16, Jesus was teaching and preparing the church, the body of Christ, for the coming of the Spirit of God. And In John chapter 14, verse 16, he said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Notice what he said. He said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter. If you look up uh, other translations of this verse, of this uh, opening, you'll find that one of them says that the comforter that comes, another comforter, Or one just like me. One just like me. So the comforter that was to come, which is the Holy Ghost, he's one just like Jesus Christ. One just like me, Jesus said. And notice he's a gift. Because Jesus said, I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter. That he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth. See, the Holy Ghost is a comforter. He's also the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. You know, I like to always say that Jesus Christ is the gift to the world. He he was sent to save, to seek and to save that which is lost, he said. And you're very familiar with the scripture in John chapter 3, verse 16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Well, who did he, what did God do? He loved the world so much that he gave. He gave Jesus, his only begotten son, that whosoever whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so Jesus Christ is the gift to the world. Actually, if we look at it this way, the truth of the matter is, is that the world has been saved. The world has been delivered. The world has been saved because Jesus came to save. All they have to do is receive it. We can look at it from this perspective that all the world has to do is receive it, but they have been saved. The world has been saved, but they haven't found, not everyone has found out about it yet. Not everyone has received it. And God doesn't force people to receive it, but it's our job as the church to tell people about it. Tell them that they've been saved. Tell them that, that the Savior has come. The Redeemer has come. That you've, been, that you've been forgiven. As far as God is concerned, He sees the blood of Jesus. And if you'll receive the free gift of salvation, you'll be washed and cleansed and received eternal life. So we can look at it from that perspective. We can look at it that way. We would not do the scripture and injustice or depart from the scripture to say that the world has been saved through Jesus. All they must do is receive it. 
Not everyone will receive the gift, and that's why people go to hell. But they can receive the gift of salvation. And Jesus Christ is the gift to the world. And we're and that is such a, such a wonderful gift. And for so many of us, we've received that gift. We've received that gift of salvation. But once you get saved and born again, become a child of God, then there's another gift that God has for you. When you come into the church, the Holy Ghost is given. He's been poured out. He's been poured out and he's been given as a gift to the church. So jumping back to John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus said, I will pray the Father and he will give you, give you, give you another comforter. And like I said, I believe it's the Amplified translation. The Amplified says, one just like me. Another comforter or one just like me. Amen. Glory be to God. And so he was given or he has been given. And when Jesus was um, teaching on this, obviously he was looking forward to what would happen and what we know now to be the outpouring of the Spirit of God in Acts 2.4. And we're looking back to what Jesus said about him. But this has happened. This, is, this has taken place. And Jesus said, I will pray the Father and he shall give you. See, it's a gift. He's a gift. Another comforter. And like I said, the Amplified says one just like me. That he may abide with you forever. Now, if you look at the, the name comforter and you study out that name and you look at Greek, a Greek concordance on it and you look at the full meaning of the name comforter, you'll find that comforter also means counselor. You'll find that comforter also means helper. It means intercessor, strengthener, standby, advocate, spirit of truth. Glory be to God. These, all these names are tied up into one, which is the comforter, not just not just a random comfort, but that is the name of the Spirit of God, one of his names, the, the Comforter. Jesus said he's one just like me. That's the, the true meaning of what Jesus was trying to say there, if you look it up and what the Amplified says. He shall give you another Comforter, Counselor, Helper, Intercessor, Strengthener, Standby, that he may abide... With you forever. Well, now, who is Jesus talking about? Who's he going to abide with forever? He's going to abide with the one who is in me. The one who is born again. The one who, re- who as a child of God, who receives, receives the Spirit of God in his fullness. Now, look at verse 17. Even the Spirit of truth, or the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Now I want to point this out. Who is Jesus writing to, or who is Jesus speaking to, I should say? He's speaking to the disciples, but he's speaking concerning not only the disciples, but those who would come after and be saved, born again, become a member of the family of God, and become a member in the church of the living God. 
become a child of God. He's speaking concerning us. And notice, I want to point this out. He said that the world cannot receive him. Cannot receive this gift. So whatever it is that Jesus is talking about, the world doesn't qualify for it. So what Jesus is teaching here in John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17, he's teaching on receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He's, rece- he's talking and teaching along receiving the fullness of the Spirit. And the reason I teach that and say that is because notice the world cannot receive him, receive this gift. But we know that the world can receive Jesus, can be born again and receive the Spirit of God within them when they are receiving salvation. They receive eternal life. They receive the Spirit of God who comes in to live within them. And that's how they become born again. When we say, and you remember this, when you got born again, when you got saved, when you went to the altar in your church, or when somebody led you to the Lord, you say, we say, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Be my Lord and Savior. And when we receive Jesus Christ, and when we say, come into my heart, we're saying, be my Lord and Savior. And what happens is Jesus Christ comes into our lives, into our heart, in the person of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God comes to dwell within us. He comes to abide within us. And if you go back in, in Ephesians chapter 1 and look at the 13th and 14th verse, it, said that, it says that we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And he is the earnest of our inheritance. Now, you've heard the phrase earnest money. It's a guarantee, in other words. It's earnest money, or it's you're putting up a certain amount of money as an earnest or a guarantee that you're going to fulfill a promise. Well, that's what the Holy Ghost is in us. When we're born again, we receive the Spirit of God within us. He is the earnest or the guarantee. Notice what Paul said in Ephesians of our inheritance. What is the inheritance? The inheritance is eternal life. The inheritance is eternal life. Now look at Romans chapter 8, verse 14. It says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now look at the 16th verse. The Spirit itself, or a better translation would be himself, beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So I like to say it this way. How do you know you're saved? How do you know that you're born again? How do you know that you've received eternal life? Well, it's good to have head knowledge, to, to have a memory of being born again. It's good to, to, um, to be able to recall that, and that's part of it. But how do you know that you're saved? How do you know that you're born again? What is the, the um, thing that you fall back on or the guarantee that knowing that you are born again and have received eternal life? It's not just because you're a member of a church. It's not because you've been baptized with water. It's not because that because you call yourself a member of any kind of organization. No, we know that we're born again, we're saved, child of God, received eternal life because of the witness. You have the witness. The witness. And Paul said that there in Romans chapter 8 verse 16. The Spirit himself. We're not talking about 
the human spirit now. We're talking about the Holy Ghost. The Spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit. So you notice the connection there. The Holy Ghost bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If children, then heirs, he goes on to say. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So you know that you're saved because you have the witness. You look down on the inside of, in your spirit and the Holy Ghost is there bearing witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. You are born again. And so when we receive the spirit of God within us, we become born again. Well, we know that anyone in the world can do that. Anyone in the world can receive eternal life when they receive Jesus. And the Spirit of God will come in and change their nature. Remember, remember the prophet talked about this. He said that concerning this time, I will take out the stony heart of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. And, the script, and he goes on to say, I will be their God. They shall be my people. Talking about that born again experience, right? Talking about the time when they would be born again, when people would be born again and the stony heart that is in their flesh that would be taken out and he would give them a heart that he described it as a heart of flesh. But it's a heart that is basically alive unto God. Tender heart, not a stony heart. Not a heart that is dark, but, but now a heart that's been born again. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. And so the world can receive this gift. The world can receive eternal life. And when the you receive eternal life, you receive the Lord Jesus Christ. You receive the Spirit of God within you and he changes your nature. He changes your heart. Again, another scripture to look at is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. And so all things have become new in Christ. And when you receive Christ, you receive a new nature. Hallelujah. But notice that when Jesus was teaching here on John in John chapter 14, and he said in the 17th verse, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. So evidently, whatever it is that Jesus is talking about, the world can't receive it. Now, why is that? Because they haven't first received the Spirit of God within. They haven't received Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. So in other words, they don't qualify for this gift, whatever it is that Jesus is teaching on here. They don't qualify for this gift. But notice the church and believers and who he was teaching to and talking to, the disciples here, and all those that would come after, they do qualify for it. Because he goes on to say, you know him, he dwelleth with you, he shall be in you. So the person who's been born again, the Spirit of God dwells with him, he sh and is in them, he qualifies to receive this gift. And it's the Comforter in his fullness. It's the Holy Ghost in his fullness. It's the Spirit of Truth in his fullness. It's the baptism of the Spirit of God. And remember what um, Matthew chapter 3 verse 11 says, that part of Jesus' ministry, he's, when he has come, and the prophet John, John the Baptist, spoke of this, 
he said, concerning the Son of God, that when he has come, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Whose fan is in his hand, the scripture says. This that You can go back to Matthew chapter 3, verse 11 and look at that. But he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And the prophet was speaking concerning the Son of God and what his ministry, part of his ministry would be. And his ministry, and Jesus Christ still has a ministry, amen? He's still working in his church. He's still working in our lives today. He's at the right hand of God making intercession for us, the scripture said in Romans chapter 8, uh, verse um, 30. I'll have to look back. This is verse 29 or 30. But he is working in his church. He has a ministry to his church. And part of his ministry, along with making intercession, being the apostle and high priest of our profession, being the the spotless lamb whose blood is working and is speaking on our behalf, the blood that's constantly working to cleanse us as we walk in the light. John chapter or first John, the epistle of John, chapter one, verse seven says that the Spirit of God, that the um the Son of God, that His blood would continue to cleanse us. If we walk in the light, as He is in the light, it says, then we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. That's First John chapter 1, verse 7. Cleanses us from all sin. So His ministry, His blood is working. But what, what else do, is Jesus doing in His church? There's another part to His ministry, isn't there? There's another part to His ministry, and so much of the church today is unfamiliar with it. And it's the part of his ministry that is baptizing people with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Jesus came to bring us eternal life. And for people who have received eternal life, he wants them filled with his spirit. He will baptize you, the scripture said, with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So notice, looking at everything that we just looked at and quoted, Go back to John chapter 14, verse 16. He said, I will pray the Father. He will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, verse 17, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. It sees him not, it knows him not. Well, you can't say that that applies to the church, because... If you've received the Spirit of God within you in the person when you've received eternal life, then you are familiar with the presence of God in your heart. You're familiar with the, the presence of the Spirit of God in you. So again, not talking about receiving eternal life here. He's talking about receiving the Spirit of God upon you. Because a person who is born again, they have seen what God can do for them. They do know his presence in their life. But see, the world can't receive him because he see him not, neither know him. But you know him. He's talking to people who know him. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Jesus is pointing to a time when you shall be born again. And he's preparing them. This comforter, the one who's just like me, he's going to come. He's going to abide with you forever. Now flip over to John chapter 14, verse 26. And Jesus said, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. Now remember when we looked back earlier and we said in, John, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, 
the prophet said concerning Jesus' ministry, part of his ministry, he would baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And so we're going to continue to look at what Jesus is now saying concerning the Holy Ghost and how it goes in alignment with his ministry. He said the Comforter, and we know that to be the Holy Ghost, the Counselor, the Advocate, the Strengthener, the Standby, the Spirit of Truth. He is, it's, and then he says, which is the Holy Ghost? Who is he? Which is the Holy Ghost? Notice whom the Father will send. And again, Jesus is speaking future tense, speaking of that time, the time that has taken place. The outpouring of the Spirit of God, which took place in Acts 2, 4. A time that we now know and are living in. Whom the Father will send in my name. So it comes, he comes, he came from our Father God. And it's in the name of Jesus. He shall teach you all things. Now this is, we're talking about the ministry of the Holy Ghost, amen? So what is his ministry? We're talking about the gift to the church. What is his gift? What does he bring? He will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I, Jesus, have said unto you. So part of the ministry of the Holy Ghost, he's the spirit of truth and he'll teach in your life. He's a great teacher. He's a great teacher. He's a one who will teach you concerning the word, concerning the scriptures. He'll reveal the word of God to you as you open up the word of God and begin to study and begin to spend time with the Lord and his word. He'll reveal it. He'll unveil it. He'll unfold it to you. And you remember what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1, looking at the 16th verse, he said, he prayed, he said, I cease not pray for you, making mention of, or to give thanks for you, I'm sorry, to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you, notice, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, him being Jesus. So the knowledge that we must have, the knowledge that God wants to give us is the knowledge that's in Christ, that's of Christ. And it's through the spirit of wisdom. Now, the Holy Ghost is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And revelation, wisdom, understanding comes from the spirit of God. And he, the Jesus said here, he shall teach you all things. And bring all things to your remembrance. So as you spend time with the Lord in his word, in prayer, he'll teach you. He'll show you things you've never seen before. He'll reveal things to you. He'll reveal God to you. He'll reveal the Son of God to you. He'll unveil and unfold things that you, you things that you never understood before, things that you never uh, had understanding of, things that you never that were confusing to you, things that didn't make sense. He'll teach. He'll reveal. He'll show those things to you. Mysteries of God are not hidden from the church. They're not mysteries from the church kept from the church, but they're mysteries that are prepared and saved for the church. And the Holy Ghost will reveal those things. 
but you have to hunger and thirst for it and ask the teacher to teach you and he'll show you. But anyways, he'll teach you all things Jesus said. He'll bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said to you. People ask me sometimes, how do you remember all those scriptures? Or they comment that you remember the scriptures and you can quote them. Well, I have to give credit to the Spirit of God, to the Holy Ghost, because Jesus said right here, he'll bring all things to your remembrance. It comes with the anointing that's on me to speak and to teach the Word of God and out comes and outflows the scriptures, chapter and verse that I can quote, that I can speak forth to help teach along the lines that I'm teaching on. But it all comes through the person of the Spirit of God. He'll bring all things to your remembrance. Notice whatsoever I have said to you, Jesus said. Glory be to God. And you know, there'll be times in my life when I'm ministering to somebody or I'm speaking to somebody or I'm even studying the Word of God on my own. I'm sitting at home just studying and and spending time with the Lord and I'll think of a scripture and I'll think to myself where is that and I can and I'll tell you this has happened time and time again I look down on the inside and the Holy Ghost will reveal to me show me where it is he'll take me right to it and it it's not head knowledge it's not out of my memory yes I actually have a great memory, but it's not out of my memory. But it comes right up out of my spirit. Oh, it's right there. Yep. Oh, it's right there. Or even scriptures I haven't looked at maybe in a little while, but they're just right there. They're in my spirit because the Holy Ghost is in my spirit. Hallelujah. And it says he'll bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I've said to you. And this works the whole, if you'll be sensitive, if you'll learn to listen on the inside, listen, people need to get in tune and in touch and sensitive to the Spirit of God within them. Not only that, but they need to receive Him on Him. And if you've received Him on you, the Spirit of God upon you, with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, then you need to get sensitive to His presence in your life. You need to get sensitive to His presence in your life. You need to be Spirit conscious and spirit led remember we look we quoted it earlier in Romans chapter 8 verse 14 for as many as are led by the spirit of god they are the sons of god in other words sons of god can expect to be led by the spirit of god so if you're a son of god then you should be looking to the leading and the guidance of the holy ghost in your life sons of god can expect to be led by the spirit of god and see you should get acquainted with him you ought to get acquainted with the Holy Ghost in your life. Get sensitive, get in tune, get in touch with His presence in your life. Be aware and sensitive to His presence. Yes, we live in this natural world. Yes, we have flesh. Yes, we have to deal with flesh. But you're a spirit being. A spirit being. You're made in the image of God. Furthermore, you've been born again. And we must train ourselves we must train ourselves to live in both worlds. To not only function and live in this world, but to train ourselves to live in that world. To function out of that world. To be able to step over into that world. What world am I talking about? I'm talking about the spirit world. The realm of the spirit. The realm of glory. The realm where God is. Remember, God is a spirit. Jesus talked about that. John chapter 4. He was teaching that the woman to the woman at the well. He said, God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Stepping over into the realm of the Spirit, stepping over into the realm of God will cause you to see and know things by the Spirit of God. To see by the realm into the realm of glory. To have your eyes open to see what God is doing, how God is operating, what God is saying in these last days. Ever in tune, ever in focus with what the Spirit of God is doing in these last days. For that which is of the Spirit of God is not of flesh, is not carnal, is not of the mind. And abiding in me will cause you to live in perfect harmony with me all the time. Living out of the Spirit, living and walking in the light, living and walking in the glory world, ha ha ha, and not being moved by what is going on in this life, in this world. So be sensitive to me, says the Spirit of God, and do not be moved by the things that are around thee. Be sensitive to my voice, be sensitive to my word that is within thee. Oh, and live and follow and walk out of that in your life. And great blessings shall come upon thee and shall be in thy life. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I believe the Lord wants to demonstrate some things in these last days. And it's just a step over. It's just a step over into that world, that realm, the realm of glory. It's just a simple step over. It's just a simple step over. It's just a simple step over. Ha ha ha. Glory be to God. What what God wants his church to do is be familiar with him. What God wants his church to have is a familiarity with his spirit. To step over into the realm where he is at and live out of that place and operate out of that place. Can you say amen? God is a spirit. God is a spirit. You can't know God out of your flesh. You can't know God out of your carnal mind. Yes, your mind can be renewed to the word of God, but your your reasoning, your understanding, and your flesh, they don't they can't understand the things of the spirit. They can't understand the things of the spirit because they're not of the spirit. But you have you're not just a flesh, you're not just flesh, you're not just a mind, like so many people try to say. But oh you're a spirit being made in the image of God, made in his righteousness, made from the breath of God. He breathed out his life into you. And so God is a spirit. And notice, even worshiping God, you have to do it in the spirit. And that's part of stepping over into that realm. Stepping over into that realm. Stepping over into that realm to worship him. Worshipping him in the spirit. Stepping over into that realm. Stepping over into that place. Now this is so important. It's so important that we be filled with his spirit. For those in the church that have not been filled with the Holy Ghost, you need to get filled. Because being filled with the spirit of God, being baptized with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, will cause you to step over into what he has for you in a greater way. You can only have part of what God has for you if you deny the fullness of the Spirit. If you 
only receive the Spirit of God within and you never receive his, him in his fullness, then you'll only receive part of what he has for you. You only have part of the blessing. You only have part of all that he is. And it's absolutely the truth and it's solid doctrine that you can't have all of God unless you receive the fullness of his Spirit. But receiving the fullness of his Spirit will cause you to receive the fullness of everything that he is. His blessing, his purpose, his direction. Like I, I like to say, you know, when I received Jesus into my heart and was born again, and the Spirit of God came in to live on the inside of me, I received so many wonderful things. I received his joy. I have joy because remember the scripture said in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of our human spirit is love, joy, peace, faith, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, temperance, all these wonderful things that were imparted to our spirit. Notice it's the fruit of our human spirit because these are things that grow up out of our spirit because our spirit or our heart, our nature has been changed. And so now these things grow up out of us, but they've been poured out or imparted to our spirit by the Holy Ghost. So his love came into me when I was born again. Romans chapter 5 verse 5 says the love of God's been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. His joy came into me. You go back and look at it. Um, back in John's gospel, the 20th chapter, talked about how Jesus breathed into the disciples and he said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. When they received the Holy Ghost, that wasn't talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but talking about being born again. Being born again. Hallelujah. They were born again. But then it noticed that in Luke, Luke's gospel, the 24th chapter, and the 49th verse talks about Jesus saying, I'm going to send the promise of the Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And then Jesus is lifted up. He's taken up into heaven. And it said in verse 52 that they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Well, where did that joy come from? Well, it came, it came because they were born again. Joy was imparted to their spirit. And so I'm going somewhere with this, guys. When I got born again, I received his love. I received his joy, just like the disciples did back there in Luke chapter 24, verse 52. They retor- returned to Jerusalem with great joy. I received his peace. The church has received all these wonderful things. But I noticed when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I got filled when I was 10 years old. I got filled back in 2001. I was at a revival meeting and there was a move and there was a call to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And when I got filled, I noticed. Now I'm talking to you about my experience now. And I don't teach my experience only unless it lines up with the word of God. If if people's experience is in alignment with what the word says, then yeah, we can receive it. But any experience that's outside the word or is contrary to the word, you can throw it out because it ain't true. It's just their experience. And it's a false deception. But my experience lines up with the word of God that when I receive the Holy Ghost in his fullness, the joy, the love, the peace, and even the fact that the Lord was leading and guiding me because the Holy Ghost will lead and guide us. He'll bear witness with our spirit. All of those things increased immensely. All of those things were enhanced. All of those things were turned up a notch. All of those things were made louder and better in my life, if you want to say it that way. 
all of those things became greater in my life. So where I had joy within me, being born again, now receiving the Holy Ghost upon me, I have now joy in the Holy Ghost, which is a move of the Spirit, which is something that comes upon you. And with that comes demonstrations, hallelujah, which is running and dancing and shouting. You know, I notice people that aren't filled with the Holy Ghost, they aren't, they're born again, but they're not baptized. I notice they have a hard time responding to the Spirit of God in Holy Ghost services. When he begins to move and people begin to rejoice and dance and, and shout and run in the Spirit, I notice they have a hard time responding to that. Why? Because they haven't received him in his fullness. But see, receiving the Holy Ghost in his fullness will cause the Holy Ghost to come upon you in a greater way. And joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy in the Holy Ghost is something that's to take place in these last days. Joy in the Holy Ghost is something that's going to take place more and more in these last days. In my church and in my house, I will pour out my joy and people will give glory and they shall shout, says the Spirit of God. They shall shout for joy. They shall be glad. They shall see demonstrations of the Spirit of God. They shall see demonstrations of joy like they never have. And the presence of my spirit, my presence and my glory shall reside in that place. That place that hungers for me and thirsts for me and wants me to come into that place. My presence, my glory shall reside and shall come and be weighty upon that place and wonderful in that place. And it shall be glorious and people's lives shall be touched and people's lives shall be changed. Ha ha ha. Glory be to God. Whew. You know, this is a podcast, guys, and I know people probably have structure to their podcast, but if you listen to my ministry and follow my ministry, you're just going to have to know that my ministry is a ministry of dem- of demonstration. And the Holy Ghost wants to minister to people's lives. And this is just the way that the Lord's called me and he, the way that he uses me to teach, not only by precept, but once you've seen it in the word, he wants there to be an example. There want, he wants there to be a demonstration. You know, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 1 and going through, he said, I came unto you, I came not with excellency of, of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of our, of our God. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And then he noticed, he said, my speech, my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. But what was it in? It was in demonstration of the Spirit in power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Notice his speech, his preaching was in demonstration and power. There needs to be demonstration and power in these last days. There needs to be a demonstration of the Spirit and power in these last days. And part of my ministry, in fact, not just part, but my ministry, what the Lord's called me to. He's called me to teach the Word of God, but then there needs to be a demonstration that flows. There is a demonstration that flows in my meetings and in my service, in services that I'm um, conducting or doing. And this is what God wants to do more and more. He wants to demonstrate Himself. He wants His church ready for His move. He wants His church ready for what He's about to do. Hallelujah. And so receive His gift. Receive His gift. Receive what he wants to do. And for those that have been born again and received the Spirit of God and been baptized in the Holy Ghost, you do speak with other tongues. You've got to stay full of him. 
Stay full of the Holy Ghost. Stay ready in your spirit. Stay vigilant. Stay ready. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, Ephesians 5.18. But be filled with the Spirit of God. Keep being filled. Keep staying full. Keep praying. Keep stirring yourself up. Keep remaining in faith. Remain in faith. And don't let your mind wander thinking wrong thoughts. Don't let your flesh take you astray. But follow the Holy Ghost and trust and obey. Hallelujah, says the Spirit of God. And great reward and great blessing shall come thy way. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is the time. We're in the hour. We're in the moments of time where the Spirit of God is going to move mightily. Where Jesus Christ shall be lifted up and exalted in his and he shall visit hearts and visit lives and visit churches. And great demonstrations of power, great demonstrations of the Spirit of God and of power and of glory shall be in the earth in these last days. Shall be in the earth in these last days. And people must be in their place. People must be ready. People must be moved with the Spirit of God. Not moved by the world. Not moved by their flesh, but moved only by the Spirit of God. Moving with the Spirit. Flowing with the Holy Ghost. Ha! Flowing and moving with the Spirit of God. Moving where He moves. Going where He goes. Into those places that He wants to go to. Wants you to go to. Ha ha ha. Yes. And the Spirit of God is moving upon people's hearts and lives. He's moving. He's moving. And he's working in these last days. And the plan and the purpose of God for this time is great and wonderful. And the Father God is calling for his family to come. And the Lord Jesus is calling for his church to come up and to come in. Ha ha ha. And the call, the call is going out. The call is going out. The call is going out. To the people of God, to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, to those that are called by his name. To be ready. To be ready. To be ready. To be ready. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's stay full, guys. Let's stay ready for what he's going to do because it's very soon and near is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming. The King is coming. Be ready. Guys, you can follow the ministry on Facebook, on YouTube. You can follow the ministry on our website, stephenoverbaugh.com. And recently, and as of just a few days ago, we just began to launch out into Roku TV. And there's going to be other TV platforms that we're going to be on uh, very soon. But we just started with Roku TV. Uh, we're setting that up, but it's it's launching here um, very soon. It's all been f- set up and everything, and we're just officially getting ready to launch it here soon. But there's, God is moving, and great things are happening in this ministry, and we want to thank our partners for joining and f- believing God with us, standing in faith with us, praying for us, and also sowing seed into the ministry financially. All of those things matter so much to us and it makes it possible for us to do what God has called us to do. So thank you once again. It, it's a true blessing to me. And um you know there's a great reward for our, our obedience. 
So be ready. All right, we'll see you next time. Hey everyone, this is Stephen Overbaugh, and once again, thank you for joining me on my podcast today. I'm excited to teach the Word of God this evening, and I'm looking forward to what the Lord has to say to us and what He has for us and the revelation that's going to come forth. Amen. I love the Bible. I love teaching the Bible. And so just get ready to receive, get your expectancy turned on, get your Bibles out and your paper and pen, and get ready to study the Word of God with me as we look at the Scriptures and we teach uh, the Scripture concerning what the Lord would have us to say. And so we've been talking about the gift to the church, and that's the title of this lesson and these lessons that we've been doing here, the gift to the church. And like I've said in these lessons, that the gift to the church from God is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of God, is the gift sent to the church, sent to believers. And it's so important that we appreciate and receive the gifts that God gives to us. Amen. It's important to know what they are, to know what our inheritance is, to know what belongs to us, and to receive them. And how do we receive them? Someone said. Well, how do, how do you receive from God? Well, you receive from God by faith. Amen? You have to have the Word, and you have to know what the Word says. And once you find out in the Word, in the Bible, what the what. God has promised you, then you can have a sure foundation for faith and you can receive that which you, which God provided for you in the plan of redemption. Amen. And of all the wonderful things the Lord has provided for us, the inheritance that belongs to us, the things that we can partake of through entering into the promised land, so to speak, the one of the biggest and one of the most wonderful things that he ever sent and gave to his church is his spirit, is the Holy Ghost, the third member of the Godhead. And it's the same Holy Ghost that was on Jesus in his ministry. It's the same Holy Ghost that was on Paul in his ministry. It's the same Holy Ghost that was on the the apostles in the book of Acts. It's the same Holy Ghost that was operating in, in the early days of the church, it's the same Holy Ghost that's been on ministers, men and women of God over the ages, over the, over the years. It's the same Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Spirit of God who comes to enable and to empower his church to do the work of the Lord. Amen. And now more than ever, we need to be full of his spirit. Glory be to God. And so the gift to the church is the Holy Ghost. And you've heard me say it. Jesus Christ, he is the gift to the world. Remember, the scripture says that God so loved the world, John 3, 16, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave Jesus. That's the gift to the world. And the world, through Jesus, has been saved. And all they have to do is receive it. Well, once you come into Christ, once you become born again, then you qualify for something else. You qualify for more. You qualify for another gift. And it's the gift of the Holy Ghost. And Jesus talked about the Holy Ghost extensively over and over again throughout his ministry. Because part of the ministry of Jesus, the present day ministry of Jesus, 
is to baptize his church with the Holy Ghost and fire. And you can look back at uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, and look at that scripture. That when he, he, being Jesus, has come, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, the scripture said. And that was John the Baptist speaking concerning Jesus. And so part of Jesus' present-day ministry is to get his church filled with his spirit. And Jesus, like I said, taught much on the Holy Ghost, especially go back in the Gospel of John and look at John chapter 14, John chapter 15, John chapter 16. And he continually says over and over again, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter. He said, when the comforter is come, whom the Father will send in my name, he will. And then it goes on to talk about his ministry. And I will send the Holy Ghost unto you, Jesus said, from the Father. And so over and over again, we see Jesus emphasizing the Holy Ghost. And it's sad to say that much of the church has not emphasized the Spirit of God and the ministry of the Spirit of God like they should have, like they should be. They're not emphasizing it as much as Jesus emphasized it. They don't see the importance of it. They think that it's passed away. They think that it's... it's uh, gotten away from the truths and the precepts of the word of God to be talking about these things. They think that tongues is of the devil. And on and on, there's just excuse after excuse for why people, why they say people don't need the Holy Ghost today. And, you know, it seems like people have gone to such great lengths to try to reason away the ministry of the Spirit of God. But, you know, it's so simple to just simply go to the word so simple just to go to the word and find out what the scripture has to say about his ministry, about who he is. It's so much easier just to go to the scripture and find out what God says about the ministry of the Spirit of God. And, and we must look to the word, look to the scripture instead of looking to what man says. We should be looking to what the word says and not looking to what some preacher somewhere said or what some person wrote in a book. There, you know, a lot of times people go to seminary and a lot of times it's more often just cemetery than seminary, but they go and they get religiously brainwashed and they, and it brainwashes away all the wonderful things that the Bible talks about. And the things that God's provided for them. And they come out with all these degrees and all of this um, education. And they think they know what's the, what is going on or what the scripture has to say. They think they're an authority on it all. But really, they're more blind than they ever were before. And they've been, they're stumbling around more than they ever were before. <laughs> you know, I remember the scripture said in First Corinthians where... This, this, there's a simplicity in Christ. You don't, I'm not saying it's wrong to get higher education. I'm not saying it's wrong to go to seminary, but don't let that education and those higher, and those, that learning take you away from the simplicity that's in the word of God. Go to the scripture, go to the Lord, have a relationship with him, talk to the Lord about it and go and find out what does his word say about these things. What does his word have to say about these things? You know, I talked to a young man one time and he would visit uh, the church where my dad and mom pastor often, but he would also go in other, to other churches in the community and visit them. And he was going to a bunch of different churches all at the same time. One week he'd go to one church and then the next week he'd go to another church. 
and so on and so forth. And he came out with a bunch of messed up screwball ideas, to be honest with you. And, you know, picking up a bunch of doctrine from this place and that place and a bunch of ideas from this other place. And, and you know, before we know it, he was just full of a lot of different junk. And I kind of liken it to when you're walking through a field and um, if you're from the country, you would know this, that they can pick up what they call these stickers. And these stickers are just these tiny little weed things like seedling. And what they do is they, they stick to your clothes. And as you walk through a field, they, you can pick them up and they start sticking to your jeans and your shirt, depending on how tall the uh, weeds and grass is. And you can come out of that and be full of these stickers. And, it, and I kind of liken it to that because so many people, they're walking and wandering around going every which way, reading every kind of book, watching all these different ministries, you know, following after all these different things, and they're picking up a bunch of junk from all these different places. Rather than being vigilant, rather than being wise, and rather than guarding themselves, and just they just continue to pick up all of this stuff, and they come out messed up, worse off than they ever were before. Rather than guarding themselves and focusing on what the Word says and finding a good place where the word is being taught without compromise, where they're pointing you to the scripture constantly, where they give you chapter and verse. You know, somebody who's teaching or preaching something and they only have like one isolated scripture that they're basing their whole idea off of and their whole message off of is really not a solid foundation for faith. A person who's teaching something from the word of God should give you scripture after scripture to prove what he's saying. You know, if this, the word speaks loudly on something, then we should be speaking loudly on it. If it speaks quietly on something or doesn't say a whole lot about something, then we ought to be speaking quietly on that. But don't be pull. A lot of times I've seen it, ministers who they pull a scripture out of the Old Testament. It's one scripture and then they twist it and turn it to make it say something it didn't say. Or they're grabbing something that was true under the Old Covenant and try to apply it to where we are today. And they, they build a whole case around it, and it's just wrong doctrine. But no, we ought to be, as, a, as believers, as Christians, we ought to be living in the New Testament, primarily living out of the epistles, the letters written to the church, and then following the ministry of Jesus in the Gospels, and living out of the New Testament. Because we're in a New Testament covenant, the New Testament, the new covenant in his blood, Hebrews talks about. And so living out of that place and, you know, the scripture speaks loudly on the subject of the Holy Ghost and very clearly on the subject of the Holy Ghost. Let's look at some scripture today. Let's see what the word of God has to say about his ministry and who he is and what he's doing in the earth today. So look at John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14. And look at the 16th verse, and here Jesus says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him. For he dwelleth with you, and he shall be in you. Now we taught last time that the comforter, the Spirit of Truth, the Holy Ghost, carries with him a ministry to the body of Christ. Carries with him a ministry not only within a believer, but upon a believer. 
And when Jesus was teaching here, talking about the Holy Ghost, he taught that the Comforter was going to come. He's sent from the Father, and he's going to abide with you forever. His ministry is to the body of Christ forever. And he's the Spirit of Truth. And it says here in verse 17 that the world can't receive him, can they? So we know right away that Jesus is talking about something that the world can't receive. And he says that they don't see him, neither do they know him, neither do they understand him, we could say as well. And it says that the world can't receive him. So obviously whatever it is that Jesus is talking about here, this gift... It has to be something that only belongs to a believer who has received Christ. Now, those who have received Christ qualify for this gift, but those who haven't received Christ, they still are out there in the dark. So clearly, what Jesus is talking about here is the infilling or the baptism in the Holy Ghost, because those who are born again receive this, the, um, the Lord Jesus Christ into their heart, will automatically qualify for this gift. But see, when you receive Jesus into your heart, and we say that often, we pray a prayer of faith, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, Romans chapter 10 says. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so we confess Christ, we receive Christ, and when you receive Christ, you receive Christ in the person of the Holy Ghost. He comes to dwell within you. You receive a new nature. The Spirit of God comes to dwell on the inside of you. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. We're sealed with the Spirit of promise. He's the earnest of our inheritance. And so we receive the Spirit of God within us, and we become a new creature. And, there, and then from that day on, we live in a new place, a place of greater uh, life, a place of greater joy, a place of, of love where we're, the love of God has been shed abroad or poured out in our hearts. We live in a place of peace. See, because our nature has changed. We're of a different kingdom. We, we pass from darkness into light. We're translated, the scripture said in Colossians, into the kingdom of his dear son. And that's in Colossians chapter 1 delivered from the power of darkness. See, and that's that's what comes when you receive Christ and are born again. The Spirit of God comes to live on the inside of you. So when Jesus was teaching here, he said, the Spirit of truth the world can't receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. So whatever it is that Jesus is teaching on this gift, the world can't receive it. And yet we know that the world can receive Jesus. They can receive him and be saved. So what Jesus is teaching here is the infilling or the baptism of the Holy Ghost, isn't he? And so look at it again, verse 16. We, Jesus called him a comforter. He actually said it's another comforter. If you look up this verse in the Amplified Translation, it literally means one just like me. One just like me. That comfort that the Holy Ghost provides is the same comfort that Jesus provided to the disciples and provides. He provides comfort through the person of the Holy Ghost. That comforter. It's one just like me, Jesus said. Look at the 18th verse of the same opening. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you comfortless, Jesus said. So see, the Holy Ghost is a comforter. 
Now, there's a six-fold meaning to his name. Not only does his not only is the Holy Ghost a comforter, but his name also carries with it counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and stand by. So these are all the names that apply and describe who the Holy Ghost is. And that's the meaning of that name. The comforter, and Jesus said he's another comforter, one just like me, who provides comfort, counsel. He provides help. He is a helper. He is an intercessor, an advocate, and a strengthener, and a standby. Glory be to God. And so see, and I always like to teach it this way, when you become born again and child of God, you receive the wonderful riches of his grace, the wonderful person of the Holy Ghost, the the presence of God, it comes to live in you and you receive all of these wonderful blessings. Like I said, your nature is changed and your, the wonderful nature of God is imparted into your spirit and love is imparted into you and the fruit of your spirit now becomes love, joy, and peace and long-suffering and faithfulness, all these wonderful things. And that's what all these wonderful things come within you. And it's and we are blessed by those things. And like I said, we where we didn't have joy, now we have joy and peace. Where we didn't want to love and we were haters, now we want to love. And it's in our nature. So see, all these wonderful things come in us. And yet, by receiving the Holy Ghost, not only within, but upon you, you receive everything that God is in a fuller measure. So... You can have joy, the fruit of joy in your life within you. But when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you can have joy upon you. Be full of his joy. Have joy in the Holy Ghost like Romans chapter 14 verse 17 talks about. The kingdom of God is not righteousness. Or the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, I'm sorry. But it's righteousness and it's peace and it's joy in the Holy Ghost. That's something entirely different. See joy within, but then when you're filled with the Spirit of God, baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, joy can come upon you. And not only that, but you can receive a greater power. You can receive more anointing. You can see receive greater grace. See, everything that God is just gets uh, taken to another level. And you have a greater measure of it. More impartations. And how many people wouldn't want more of God? See, a lot of times people are seeking for more from God. I know this to be true because I've talked to so many people that uh, they love the Lord. But when you talk to them, there's something missing. And you don't have to look too far. You just ask them about this very subject right here. And oftentimes, much of the time, they have never been filled with the Holy Ghost. They're seeking for something. They don't know exactly what they want or what they need. But they're seeking for more of God. Well, this is the way you can have more of God. And not only being filled once, but being refilled Paul said to the church at Ephesus, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, there is a play on that word. If you look it up in the Greek, if you study it out, and I'm not a Greek scholar by any means, but I do have a Greek concordance, and you can study these words out. And if you look up this this verse in the Greek and, and study it out, it literally means, but be being filled. 
but be being filled. In other words, maintain a constant experience of being filled with the Holy Ghost. This oftentimes is a problem for many Christians who have been filled. The problem with them is that they were filled, but they're not filled today. The problem is they one time in one place, a certain date in life, they were filled, but they haven't done anything with it since then. See, there's it's one thing to have been filled, but it's another thing to be refilled. And it's it makes sense in the natural. If you fill your car up with gas, eventually by driving around, you're going to use up all that gas. You're going to have to refill, won't you? And it's exactly what needs to take place in the realm of the Spirit. When you become filled with the Holy Ghost and receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost, it you you are filled with His presence and filled with His glory and filled and you have the evidence of speaking with other tongues, like Acts 2.4 talks about. But from that day forth, maintain that constant experience. Maintain that experience. In other words, keep being filled with the Holy Ghost. I like to say it this way, just stay full. Continue to stay full every single day, praying in the Holy Ghost. When you drive to work, pray in the Holy Ghost. When you're cooking at home, dinner at home or something, pray in the Holy Ghost. Train your spirit Train yourself and train your spirit to pray every single day. I remember something the Lord spoke to me um, in a time of prayer. I was praying with a group of people, leading it, and having a wonderful time in the Lord. And right in the midst of it, he said something very simple to me that has stuck with me. And it's very important that we not overlook some of these things. But he said to me, be faithful to pray. Be faithful to to pray. You know, we always talk about the faithfulness of God, how faithful he is to us. We worship him and honor him for his faithfulness. We thank him for his faithfulness. But you know, God's looking for faithfulness from us. And one of the things that he needs us to be faithful in is in prayer. Be faithful to pray. And Paul talked about that throughout the scriptures and others in the New Testament talked about it. Continue in prayer. Cease not to pray. Cease not to give thanks. Come, Continue to come before the Lord. You know, the, the prayer and the, the supplication that the church makes before the Lord has tremendous power with it. And the Lord needs our prayers. He needs us to be praying, especially in these last days. It's so important. And the Lord emphasized that to me. Be pr- faithful to pray. Be faithful to pray. The Lord needs our voice, and he needs believers who can pray not only out of their own understanding, but praying in the Spirit, praying, being led by the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 taught that. Paul said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Well, again, if you look that word up in the dictionary and in the Greek concordance, you'll find that in the Spirit actually carries with it another meaning. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. So in other words, you're praying in the Spirit, you're in the Spirit, and you're also giving place to be directed and led by the Holy Ghost in whatever direction you need to pray in, whatever direction is needed at that particular time. And watching thereunto, he goes on to say, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. See, and so 
Praying, be faithful to pray, Jesus said. Be faithful to pray. Continue to pray. It's something that the church must be doing. Every single one of us has a ministry of prayer. We need to be praying more than ever before. And you're going to have a hard time praying, and it's going to be dry, and it's going to be dull until you get filled with the Holy Ghost. And I know I'm teaching to a lot of people that already are filled with the Holy Ghost, but I'm not just talking about being full one time. I'm talking about staying full. I'm talking about continuing to stir yourself up in the Spirit, to continuing to stir up the gift of God which is in you, to continue to build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, Jude chapter or Jude verse 20 says. Because see, praying in the Holy Ghost every single day will cause you to walk in a greater wisdom, cause you to be more sensitive and in tune to the Spirit of God so you can be great, more easily led by the Spirit and make better decisions in life. You know, a lot of times people because they've allowed themselves to get dry, that they're dull to the voice of God. They're dull to the voice of God. They don't hear him like they should. And they're like, why isn't God talking to me? Well, if you want God to talk to you, you need to get full of his spirit again. If you want God to talk to you and you want his voice to be more clear, then you got to get full and stay full. You know, it's kind of like tuning an old radio. I know we don't listen to radios as much as we used to, but... um, you know, with radios, you had to had to tune it and to adjust it so that you could get the right frequency. And at first, it's a little staticky. But as you keep adjusting and keep turning the knobs, eventually it becomes clear. It gets clear. And that's exactly what you do when you're spending time with the Lord in His presence. You start to tune up. You start to clear it up. Your ears start to get clear. And then you can hear His voice like you need to. Glory. Hallelujah. And so it's important. It's an admonishment to those that have been filled to keep being filled. You know, I remember a lady that I talked to um, years ago, back in 2016. And I had ministered in this one uh, place. In this, It was a home group, actually. I was asked to teach some Bible lessons for a month. And so I was teaching along. And this lady came up to me afterwards after one of the um, teaching lessons that I had been giving. And she said, I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I've desired it for many years. I've always wanted to be, but I was told I couldn't receive it. I was told that it didn't belong to everybody, that certain people couldn't receive. And the scripture that she was referring to was in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, talking about uh, verse 31. It says, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. Well, in the context of what Paul was saying, he was teaching that the public ministry of the Holy of tongues with interpretation, not everyone is used in that way. And there's a difference between being filled with the Spirit of God and praying in tongues in your own personal life and you're having your own prayer language versus being used by the Spirit of God, the gift of the Holy gifts of the Spirit. One of the gifts of the Spirit is tongues with interpretation. That's a public ministry to the church in public assembly. And not everyone is used in that public ministry of tongues with interpretation. Yet, every single person can be filled and have a personal prayer language before God. But the a lot of times, this is the scripture that people always go to. And they try to prove that not everyone can speak with tongues. It's not for everybody. Well, they're taking this scripture out of context. But anyways, I taught these things to this lady. I said, no, this is what it really means. And she saw the light. 
and she was filled with the Holy Ghost. In the process of time, after she had been filled, it had been a a matter of weeks, she came to me again, and she walked up to me. I said, hey, how you doing? And she said, well, you know, I was praying in tongues for a while. I was having a great time praying, but all of a sudden, kind of just over the process of time, I just kind of began to lose it. Begin to and I, I feel like I can't speak in tongues anymore. I feel like I've lost the Holy Ghost, and I was wondering if you could pray for me again that the Holy Ghost would come back to me. Well, I said to her, and taught it from the Word, that the the enemy will try to come and steal what the Lord has given you. And we know this to be true. If you go back, and we don't have time to teach on it, but concerning healing. That in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus talked about how when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and finding none. And he says, I will return unto my house. This is in Matthew chapter 12, verse 43 and 44. And from whence I came and when he find it come, he finds it empty, swept and garnished. And he goes in and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they do enter in. And the state of the man is worse than the first. Now Jesus was talking about and teaching on the activity of evil spirits. And how when an evil spirit is cast out. That a lot of times. Or even the thing that the enemy was bringing on somebody. Or putting on somebody. Whether it be sickness and disease or whatever the case. That a lot of times the enemy is dealt with. And he goes away. He has to flee in the name of Jesus. But if people aren't taught correctly, then that enemy will try to come back and try to put that same thing back on them. And I've seen it time and time again where the enemy will try to put it back on them, put things back on them, and try to steal, kill, and destroy constantly. And if believers don't know their rights and privileges and don't know how to hold on, see, holding on is so important. Holding on to the things which God has given you. Holding on to the things which he's provided for you. See, this is why you got to know the word so much. This is why you got to be so, uh, be a student of the Bible and be so firmly grounded in the scripture. Because, see, if you don't know how to stand in tough times, then you're going to be stolen from by the enemy. And it's so important that you walk and live by faith and fill yourself up with the word and know that. The things which you're believing for belong to you because you have found it for yourself. You're filled with the knowledge of his will. You've got the revelation on it and nothing is going to be able to take it from you. And so a lot of times people lose that which has been given to them or they lose that thing that the Lord had done for them because they don't know how to stand their ground. And this is one of the most important things that people need to be taught concerning healing and concerning receiving from God. A lot of times people come up in a healing line or a prayer line to receive a breakthrough of some kind, whatever it may be. And they receive it under the anointing. See, the manifestation of the Spirit is an operation. The gifts of the Spirit are an operation. The Holy Ghost is moving and people receive in the glory. But a lot of times because they're, they're being carried by that anointing and carried by the glory... When they get out from under that, then they have to go out and live it, and they don't know how to stand. And that's why the Word must be your foundation. Always fall back on the Word. Always come back to the Word, because it's the Word that's your guarantee. It is the guarantee 
and it is the legal document that you can turn to to show what belongs to you, what's been provided for you. It's your legal document, and it's your inheritance. It's all found right there in the Word. And so this lady said, I lost the Holy Ghost. Would you give it back? Well, no, she didn't lose the Holy Ghost. But the enemy was deceiving her and trying to steal from her. He was trying to get her back into her own wrong thinking, get back caught up in her mind instead of being yielded to the Spirit of God and and operating in faith. See, it takes faith to flow with the Holy Ghost. It takes faith to move with the Holy Ghost and to yield to the Holy Ghost. And so I taught her, no, you didn't lose the Holy Ghost. She thought she had lost him. She thought that it that had been taken from her or that she that she had didn't have him anymore. And I said, no, you didn't lose him, but the enemy's trying to steal from you. The enemy's trying to take from you right now. No, you need to operate and stand in faith and remember that which the Lord has done you done for you, I told her. And I taught her, I said, you walk by faith. This is of the spirit. This is not of the mind. Don't let the enemy take that which belongs to you. Tell him to flee. You know, when doubt comes to your mind, you have to resist. When fear comes to your mind, you have to resist. When depression comes to your mind, you have to resist. I'm speaking to somebody right now by the Holy Ghost. When the enemy comes and attacks, you have to resist. But you have to address the spirit that's attacking you. Depression and fear and worry and care, all of that, they're not just emotions. They're not just uh, emotional problems. No, they're devices of the enemy. They're spiritual attacks. They're evil spirits. And evil spirits that are sent to bring and carry wicked, evil things. And we don't have time to teach on that, but there's a whole teaching on demonology and what, how they work. And, you know, the scripture says not to be ignorant of the enemy's devices. And so when the enemy comes with doubt, address the spirit. Doubt, I resist you in Jesus' name. When fear comes against you, address the spirit. Fear, I resist you in Jesus' name. You have no place in me. See, God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. When worry, fretting comes, worry, I resist you in Jesus' name. I will not worry. I refuse to worry. You know, and if you'll just do that, if you'll address it, and you address it in the name of Jesus, use your authority, he has to flee. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. James uh, chapter 3. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That, you know, and that's resisting, resisting the enemy. Resisting the enemy is something that you do, not what God does for you. Not what God can do for you. God is not going to do anything about the devil for you. God's already done everything he's going to do about the devil. He's already defeated him, stripped him, spoiled him. Colossians chapter 2 verse 15. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of him openly, triumphing over him in it. See, God's already done everything he's going to do. Now it's time for us to take our place and operate in the authority that's been given to us. So jumping back to the story with the lady... She was being stolen from by the enemy, and she was not yielding to the Holy Ghost. But the Holy Ghost was there all along, yet she wasn't yielding to him. She was in her head about the whole thing and being stolen from because she was in doubt. So I said, you haven't lost the Holy Ghost. 
No, just yield to that which is on the inside of you. And so what I said to her is, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to lay my hands on you just to stir you up again. Just to, just to give you a boost once again, or kind of jumpstart you once again, I said. Not to have her receive the Holy Ghost again, because the Holy Ghost was there all along. But no, just to get her conscious of the, the presence of the Holy Ghost in her life once again. And you know, a lot of times people just need a refilling or need a refreshing. And under the anointing and, this, and through the laying on of hands, people can come in contact with that again. It can help them. Amen? Sometimes people need that. Sometimes people just need a refreshing. Sometimes people just need a restirring up in them. And the anointing can cause people to be stirred up once again and refreshed once again. It can cause them to have breakthrough in their life. And so I laid my hands on her and said, Lord, I thank you. You've already, you've already filled her. And right now, I just thank you that she is stirred up again in her spirit. And that she'll yield to you and no longer doubt. Well, the woman started speaking in tongues just like she had before the first time. And her face lit up with joy. So see, the Holy Ghost never went away. The Holy Ghost was always there all along. Now, why did I say that? A lot of times people let things lay dormant in their life. They let things lay dormant in their life and they, they don't even realize that the enemy can be working behind the scenes to try to steal those things from them, to take it, those things from them, and to cause them to not yield to their, to their hearts and to the Spirit of God like they should. And it's important that you continue to yield and not doubt to the, not doubt the Lord, not doubt His Word. Not doubt what he's done in you, but to continue in those things. Keep stirring yourself up. Don't let it slip. Don't let the enemy take it from you. Don't let the enemy cause you to to fall down or to go down and live under that which God has done for you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Tashti. You know, the Lord is taking us to new levels, right? The word that the Lord gave me for this year is new levels, new places, greater graces, greater blessings in my plan. And he said, along with that, in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. You know, the new levels and new places the Lord's taken us to, they're going to require a step of faith. But when we come up to those levels and those places, Man, it's it's glorious and wonderful, but we need to be careful not to go backwards from where we've been brought to. Not live any not live back in the past. Not live like we used to live, but living from a new place, walking in a new place, going to new places in glory. Can you say amen? Not to return to the former things. Not to go back to the former things. Remember not the former things of old. Remember the prophet said in Isaiah uh, 43, 42. Remember not the former things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. 43, verse 18. Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. I will do a new thing. Now shall it now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it, he said. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So see, a remembrance of the former things will hinder you and keep you from entering into the new thing. The remembrance of those other things. No, we're supposed to remember what God did for us. See, there is a remembrance 
that we are supposed to have for what God did for us, what Christ did for us. That's why we take communion, isn't it? We take communion as a body of Christ because we're putting ourselves in remembrance of what the Lord has done for us. And you go back in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, talks about the what the church is supposed to be doing, the the practice that the church is supposed to have. As often as you drink this or eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he come, the scriptures said. Remember. And we are supposed to have a remembrance of what the Lord has done for us. But we're not supposed to have a remembrance of the former things of what of, of our flesh or the things that we used to enjoy when we were not living right or not living for the Lord. We're supposed to not remember even former things that were right at one time, but the Lord's getting ready for us to do a new thing. It's okay to remember what God has done for us. It's okay and right for us to remember the things the Lord's done for us and even how he brought us out. But don't have a remembrance of dark and evil days or days that were former, the former days that were not right. Or former days or things when you weren't walking as you should. Or even former days of when, you know, these things were not necessarily in the plan of God, but you were growing. But no, get ready for a new thing that God wants to do. Get ready for a new thing that he is doing. And stay and live from that place. Live from that place place because God's getting ready to do a new thing and we're going to be propelled forward into the purpose and plan of heaven can you say amen guys once again thank you for listening to this podcast I hope you enjoyed it I trust that you were blessed and received from the Lord remember you can follow the ministry on Facebook on YouTube right here at this podcast and also getting ready to launch Roku TV pretty soon where you'll be able to go and watch the ministry on TV. And more and more, the Lord is opening doors for us. Greater voice is what the Lord told me. There's going to be a greater voice and more that you're going to be able to do to reach out, get the message out. And so be following the ministry. Thank you to all my partners who sow and give into the ministry and who pray and stand in faith with us. I'm so grateful for it. And We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening once again. Hey, everyone. This is Stephen Overbaugh. And once again, thank you for joining me on my podcast today. I'm excited to teach the Word of God this evening. And I'm looking forward to what the Lord has to say to us and what He has for us and the revelation that's going to come forth. Amen. I love the Bible. I love teaching the Bible. And so just get ready to receive, get experience your expectancy turned on, get your Bibles out and your paper and pen and get ready to study the word of God with me as we look at the scriptures and we teach uh, the scripture concerning what the Lord would have us to say. And so we've been talking about the gift to the church. And that's the title of this lesson and these lessons that we've been doing here. The gift to the church. And like I've said in these lessons, that the gift to the church from God is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of God, is the gift sent to the church, sent to believers. And it's so important that we appreciate and receive the gifts that God gives to us. Amen. 
It's important to know what they are, to know what our inheritance is, to know what belongs to us, and to receive them. And how do we receive them? Someone said, well, how do, how do you receive from God? Well, you receive from God by faith. Amen. You have to have the word and you have to know what the word says. And once you find out in the word, in the Bible, what the what God has promised you, then you can have a sure foundation for faith and you can receive that which you which God provided for you in the plan of redemption. Amen. And of all the wonderful things the Lord has provided for us, the inheritance that belongs to us, the things that we can partake of through entering into the promised land, so to speak, the one of the biggest and one of the most wonderful things that he ever sent and gave to his church is his spirit, is the Holy Ghost, the third member of the Godhead. And it's the same Holy Ghost that was on Jesus in his ministry. It's the same Holy Ghost that was on Paul in his ministry. It's the same Holy Ghost that was on the the apostles in the book of Acts. It's the same Holy Ghost that was operating in the early days of the church. It's the same Holy Ghost that's been on ministers, men and women of God over the ages, over over the years. It's the same Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Spirit of God who comes to enable and to empower his church to do the work of the Lord. Amen. And now more than ever, we need to be full of his spirit. Glory be to God. And so the gift to the church is the Holy Ghost. And you've heard me say it. Jesus Christ, he is the gift to the world. Remember, the scripture says that God so loved the world, John three sixteen, that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God gave Jesus. That's the gift to the world. And the world, through Jesus, has been saved. And all they have to do is receive it. Well, once you come into Christ, once you become born again, then you qualify for something else. You qualify for more. You qualify for another gift. And it's the gift of the Holy Ghost. And Jesus talked about the Holy Ghost extensively over and over again throughout his ministry. Because part of the ministry of Jesus, the present day ministry of Jesus, is to baptize his church with the Holy Ghost and fire. And you can look back at uh, Matthew chapter 3 verse 11 and look at that scripture. That when he, he, being Jesus, has come, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Whose fan is in his hand, the scripture said. And that was John the Baptist speaking concerning Jesus. And so part of Jesus' present day ministry is to get his church filled with his spirit. And Jesus, like I said, taught much on the Holy Ghost, especially go back in the Gospel of John and look at John chapter 14, John chapter 15, John chapter 16. And he continually says over and over again, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter. He said, when the comforter has come, whom the Father will send in my name, he will. And then goes on to talk about his ministry. And I will send the Holy Ghost unto you, Jesus said, from the Father. And so over and over again, we see Jesus emphasizing the Holy Ghost. And it's sad to say that much of the church has not emphasized the Spirit of God and the ministry of the Spirit of God like they should have, like they should be. They're not emphasizing it as much as Jesus emphasized it. They don't see the importance of it. They think that it's passed away. They think that it's... it's uh, gotten away from the 
truths and the precepts of the word of God to be talking about these things. They think that tongues is of the devil. And on and on, there's just excuse after excuse for why why they say people don't need the Holy Ghost today. And, you know, it seems like people have gone to such great lengths to try to reason away the ministry of the Spirit of God. But, you know, it's so simple to just simply go to the Word. It's so simple just to go to the Word and find out what the Scripture has to say about His ministry, about who He is. It's so much easier just to go to the Scripture and find out what God says about the ministry of the Spirit of God. And and we must look to the Word look to the scripture instead of looking to what man says. We should be looking to what the word says and not looking to what some preacher somewhere said or what some person wrote in a book. There, you know, a lot of times people go to seminary and a lot of times it's more often just cemetery than seminary, but they go and they get religiously brainwashed and they and it brainwashes away all the wonderful things that the Bible talks about and the things that God's provided for them. And they come out with all these degrees and all of this um, education, and they think they know what's the, what is going on or what the Scripture has to say. They think they're an authority on it all. But really, they're more blind than they ever were before, and they've been, they're stumbling around more than they ever were before. <laughs> you know, I remember the Scripture said in First Corinthians where... This, this, there's a simplicity in Christ. You don't, I'm not saying it's wrong to get higher education. I'm not saying it's wrong to go to seminary, but don't let that education and those higher, and those that learning take you away from the simplicity that's in the word of God. Go to the scripture, go to the Lord, have a relationship with him, talk to the Lord about it and go and find out what does his word say about these things. What does his word have to say about these things? You know, I talked to a young man one time and he would visit uh, the church where my dad and mom pastor often, but he would also go in other, to other churches in the community and visit them. And he was going to a bunch of different churches all at the same time. One week he'd go to one church and then the next week he'd go to another church and so on and so forth. And he came out with a bunch of messed up, screwed, ball ideas, to be honest with you. And, you know, picking up a bunch of doctrine from this place and that place and a bunch of ideas from this other place. And, and you know, before we know it, he was just full of a lot of different junk. And I kind of liken it to when you're walking through a field. And um, if you're from the country, you would know this, that they can pick up what they call these stickers. And these stickers are just these tiny little weed things, like seedling. And what they do is they, they stick to your clothes. And as you walk through a field, they, you can pick them up and they start sticking to your jeans and your shirt, depending on how tall the uh, weeds and grass is. And you can come out of that and be full of these stickers. And, it, and I kind of liken it to that because so many people, they're walking and wandering around, going every which way, reading every kind of book, watching all these different ministries, you know, following after all these different things and they're picking up a bunch of junk from all these different places rather than being vigilant, rather than being wise and rather than guarding themselves and just they just continue to pick up all of this stuff and they come out messed up, worse off than they ever were before. Rather than guarding themselves and focusing on what the word says and finding a good place 
where the word is being taught without compromise, where they're pointing you to the scripture constantly, where they give you chapter and verse. You know, somebody who's teaching or preaching something and they only have like one isolated scripture that they're basing their whole idea off of and their whole message off of is really not a solid foundation for faith. A person who's teaching something from the word of God should give you scripture after scripture to prove what he's saying. You know, if this, the word speaks loudly on something, then we should be speaking loudly on it. If it speaks quietly on something or doesn't say a whole lot about something, then we ought to be speaking quietly on that. But don't be pull, a lot of times I've seen it, ministers who they pull a scripture out of the Old Testament. It's one scripture and then they twist it and turn it to make it say something it didn't say. Or they're grabbing something that was true under the Old Covenant and try to apply it to where we are today. And they, they build a whole case around it and it's just wrong doctrine. But no, we ought to be, as, a, as believers, as Christians, we ought to be living in the New Testament, primarily living out of the epistles, the letters written to the church, and then following the ministry of Jesus in the Gospels, and living out of the New Testament. Because we're in a New Testament covenant. The New Testament, the new covenant in his blood, Hebrews talks about. And so living out of that place and... You know, the scripture speaks loudly on the subject of the Holy Ghost and very clearly on the subject of the Holy Ghost. Let's look at some scripture today. Let's see what the word of God has to say about his ministry and who who he is and what he's doing in the earth today. So look at John, the gospel of John chapter 14. And look at the 16th verse. And here Jesus says, I will pray the father and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him. For he dwelleth with you, and he shall be in you. Now we taught last time that the Comforter, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Ghost, carries with him a ministry to the body of Christ, carries with him a ministry not only within a believer, but upon a believer. And when Jesus was teaching here, talking about the Holy Ghost, he taught that the Comforter was going to come. He's sent from the Father, and he's going to abide with you forever. His ministry is to the body of Christ forever. And he's the spirit of truth. And it says here in verse 17 that the world can't receive him, can they? So we know right away that Jesus is talking about something that the world can't receive. And it says that they don't see him, neither do they know him, neither do they understand him, we could say as well. And it says that the world can't receive him. So obviously whatever it is that Jesus is talking about here, this gift... It has to be something that only belongs to a believer who has received Christ. Now, those who have received Christ qualify for this gift, but those who haven't received Christ, they still are out there in the dark. So clearly, what Jesus is talking about here is the infilling or the baptism in the Holy Ghost, because those who are born again receive the, the, um, the Lord Jesus Christ into their heart, will automatically qualify for this gift. But see, 
when you receive Jesus into your heart, and we say that often, we pray a prayer of faith, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, Romans chapter 10 says. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so we confess Christ, we receive Christ, and when you receive Christ, you receive Christ in the person of the Holy Ghost. He comes to dwell within you. You receive a new nature. The Spirit of God comes to dwell on the inside of you. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. We're sealed with the Spirit of promise. He's the earnest of our inheritance. And so we receive the Spirit of God within us, and we become a new creature. And, there, and then from that day on, we live in a new place, a place of greater uh, life, a place of greater joy, a place of, of love where we're, the love of God has been shed abroad or poured out in our hearts. We live in a place of peace. See, because our nature has changed. We're of a different kingdom. We, we pass from darkness into light. We're translated, the scripture said in Colossians, into the kingdom of his dear son. And that's in Colossians chapter 1 delivered from the power of darkness. See, and that's that's what comes when you receive Christ and are born again. The Spirit of God comes to live on the inside of you. So when Jesus was teaching here, he said, the Spirit of truth the world can't receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. So whatever it is that Jesus is teaching on this gift, the world can't receive it. And yet we know that the world can receive Jesus. They can receive him and be saved. So what Jesus is teaching here is the infilling or the baptism of the Holy Ghost, isn't he? And so look at it again, verse 16. We, Jesus called him a comforter. He actually said it's another comforter. If you look up this verse in the Amplified Translation, it literally means one just like me. One just like me. That comfort that the Holy Ghost provides is the same comfort that Jesus provided to the disciples and provides. He provides comfort through the person of the Holy Ghost. That comforter. It's one just like me, Jesus said. Look at the 18th verse of the same opening. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you comfortless, Jesus said. So see, the Holy Ghost is a comforter. Now, there's a sixfold meaning to his name. Not only does his not only is the Holy Ghost a comforter, but his name also carries with it counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and stand by. So these are all the names that apply and describe who the Holy Ghost is. They, and that's the meaning of that name the comforter, and Jesus said he's another comforter, one just like me, who provides comfort, counsel. He provides help. He is a helper. He is an intercessor, a, an advocate, and a strengthener, and a standby. Glory be to God. And so see, and I always like to teach it this way, when you become born again and child of God, you receive the wonderful riches of his grace, the wonderful person of the Holy Ghost, the the presence of God, it comes to live in you and you receive all of these wonderful blessings. Like I said, your nature is changed and your, the 
wonderful nature of God is imparted into your spirit and love is imparted into you. And the fruit of your spirit now becomes love, joy, and peace, and long-suffering, and faithfulness, all these wonderful things. And that's what all these wonderful things come within you. And it's and we are blessed by those things. And like I said, we where we didn't have joy, now we have joy and peace. Where we didn't want to love and we were haters, now we want to love and it's in our nature. So see, all these wonderful things come in us. And yet, by receiving the Holy Ghost, not only within, but upon you, you receive everything that God is in a fuller measure. So you can have joy, the fruit of joy in your life within you. But when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you can have joy upon you. Be full of his joy. Have joy in the Holy Ghost like Romans chapter 14 verse 17 talks about. The kingdom of God is not righteousness. Or the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, I'm sorry. But it's righteousness and it's peace and it's joy in the Holy Ghost. That's something entirely different. See joy within, but then when you're filled with the Spirit of God, baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, joy can come upon you. And not only that, but you can receive a greater power. You can receive more anointing. You can see receive greater grace. See, everything that God is just gets uh, taken to another level. And you have a greater measure of it. More impartations. And how many people wouldn't want more of God? See, a lot of times people are seeking for more from God. I know this to be true because I've talked to so many people that uh, they love the Lord. But when you talk to them, there's something missing. And you don't have to look too far. You just ask them about this very subject right here. And oftentimes, much of the time, they have never been filled with the Holy Ghost. They're seeking for something. They don't know exactly what they want or what they need, but they're seeking for more of God. Well, this is the way you can have more of God and not only being filled once, but being refilled. Paul said to the church at Ephesus, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, there is a play on that word. If you look it up in the Greek, if you study it out, and I'm not a Greek scholar by any means, but I do have a Greek concordance, and you can study these words out. And if you look up this, this verse in the Greek and, and study it out, it literally means, but be being filled. But be being filled. In other words, maintain a constant experience of being filled with the Holy Ghost. This oftentimes is a problem for many Christians who have been filled. The problem with them is that they were filled, but they're not filled today. The problem is they one time in one place, a certain date in life, they were filled. But they haven't done anything with it since then. See, there's, it's one thing to have been filled, but it's another thing to be refilled. And... It's, it makes sense in the natural. If you fill your car up with gas, eventually by driving around, you're going to use up all that gas. You're going to have to refill, won't you? And it's exactly what needs to take place in the realm of the Spirit. When you become filled with the Holy Ghost and receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost, it, you, you are filled with His presence and filled with His glory and filled and you have the evidence of speaking with other tongues like Acts 2.4 talks about. But... From that day forth, maintain that constant experience. Maintain that experience. In other words, keep being filled with the Holy Ghost. I like to say it this way. Just stay full. Continue to stay full. Every single day, praying in the Holy Ghost. When you drive to work, 
Pray in the Holy Ghost. When you're cooking at home, dinner at home or something, pray in the Holy Ghost. Train your spirit, train yourself and train your spirit to pray every single day. I remember something the Lord spoke to me um, in a time of prayer. I was praying with a group of people, leading it, and having a wonderful time in the Lord. And right in the midst of it, he said something very simple to me that has stuck with me. And it's very important that we not overlook some of these things. But he said to me, be faithful to pray. Be faithful to pray. You know, we always talk about the faithfulness of God, how faithful he is to us. We worship him and honor him for his faithfulness. We thank him for his faithfulness. But you know, God's looking for faithfulness from us. And one of the things that he needs us to be faithful in is in prayer. Be faithful to pray. And Paul talked about that throughout the scriptures and others in the New Testament talked about it. Continue in prayer. Cease not to pray. Cease not to give thanks. Come, continue to come before the Lord. You know, the, the prayer and the, the supplication that the church makes before the Lord has tremendous power with it. And the Lord needs our prayers. He needs us to be praying, especially in these last days. It's so important. And the Lord emphasized that to me. Be pr- faithful to pray. Be faithful to pray. The Lord needs our voice, and he needs believers who can pray not only out of their own understanding, but praying in the Spirit, praying, being led by the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, taught that. Paul said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Well, again, if you look that word up in this dictionary and in the Greek concordance, you'll find that in the Spirit actually carries with it another meaning. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. So in other words, you're praying in the Spirit, you're in the Spirit, and you're also giving place to be directed and led by the Holy Ghost in whatever direction you need to pray in, whatever direction is needed at that particular time. And watching thereunto, he goes on to say, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. See, and so praying, be faithful to pray, Jesus said. Be faithful to pray. Continue to pray. It's something that the church must be doing. Every single one of us has a ministry of prayer. We need to be praying more than ever before. And you're going to have a hard time praying, and it's going to be dry, and it's going to be dull until... You get filled with the Holy Ghost. And I know I'm teaching to a lot of people that already are filled with the Holy Ghost. But I'm not just talking about being full one time. I'm talking about staying full. I'm talking about continuing to stir yourself up in the Spirit. To continuing to stir up the gift of God which is in you. To continue to build yourself up on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost, Jude Jude verse 20 says. Because see, praying in the Holy Ghost every single day will cause you to walk in a greater wisdom cause you to be more sensitive and in tune to the Spirit of God so you can be great, more easily led by the Spirit and make better decisions in life. You know, a lot of times people, because they've allowed themselves to get dry, that they're dull to the voice of God. They're dull to the voice of God. They don't hear Him like they should. And they're like, why isn't God talking to me? Well, if you want God to talk to you, you need to get full of His Spirit again. If you want God to talk to you and you want His voice to be more clear then you got to get full. 
and stay full. You know, it's kind of like tuning an old radio. I know we don't listen to radios as much as we used to, but, um, you know, with radios, you had to had to tune it and to adjust it so that you could get the right frequency. And at first, it's a little staticky, but as you keep adjusting and keep turning the knobs, eventually it becomes clear, it gets clear. And that's exactly what you do when you're spending time with the Lord in His presence. You start to tune up, you start to clear it up, your ears start to get clear, and then you can hear his voice like you need to. Glory, hallelujah. And so it's important. It's an admonishment to those that have been filled to keep being filled. You know, I remember a lady that I talked to um, years ago, back in 2016, and I had ministered in this one uh, place, in this, it was a home group, actually, I was asked to teach some Bible lessons for a month. And so I was teaching along and this lady came up to me afterwards after one of the um, teaching lessons that I had been giving. And she said, I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I've desired it for many years. I've always wanted to be, but I was told I couldn't receive it. I was told that it didn't belong to everybody, that certain people couldn't receive. And the scripture that she was referring to was in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, talking about uh, verse 31. It says, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. Well, in the context of what Paul was saying, he was teaching that the public ministry of the Holy of tongues with interpretation, not everyone is used in that way. And there's a difference between being filled with the Spirit of God and praying in tongues in your own personal life and you're having your own prayer language versus being used by the Spirit of God, the gift of the gifts of the Spirit. One of the gifts of the Spirit is tongues with interpretation. That's a public ministry to the church in public assembly. And not everyone is used in that public ministry of tongues with interpretation. Yet, every single person can be filled and have a personal prayer language before God. But the, a lot of times, this is the scripture that people always go to. And they try to prove that not everyone can speak with tongues. It's not for everybody. Well, they're taking this scripture out of context. But anyways, I taught these things to this lady. I said, no, this is what it really means. And she saw the light. And she was filled with the Holy Ghost. In the process of time, after she had been filled, it had been a, man, uh, a matter of weeks. She came to me again. And she walked up to me. I said, hey, how you doing? And she said, well, you know, I was praying in tongues for a while. I was having a great time praying. But all of a sudden, kind of just over the process of time, I just kind of began to lose it. Began to, And I, I feel like I can't speak in tongues anymore. I feel like I've lost the Holy Ghost. And I was wondering if you could pray for me again, that the Holy Ghost would come back to me. Well, I said to her, and taught it from the word, that the the enemy will try to come and steal what the Lord has given you. And we know this to be true. If you go back and we don't have time to teach on it, but concerning healing, that in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus talked about how when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and finding none. And he says, I will return unto my house. This is in Matthew chapter 12, verse 43 and 44. And from whence I came and 
when he find it come, he finds it empty, swept and garnished. And he goes in and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they do enter in. And the state of the man is worse than the first. Now Jesus was talking about and teaching on the activity of evil spirits and how when an evil spirit is cast out, that a lot of times, or even the thing that the enemy was bringing on somebody or putting on somebody, whether it be sickness and disease or whatever the case, that a lot of times the enemy is dealt with and he goes away. He has to flee in the name of Jesus. But if people aren't taught correctly, then that enemy will try to come back and try to put that same thing back on them. And I've seen it time and time again where the enemy will try to put it back on them, put things back on them and try to steal kill and destroy constantly. And if believers don't know their rights and privileges and don't know how to hold on, see, holding on is so important. Holding on to the things which God has given you. Holding on to the things which he's provided for you. See, this is why you got to know the word so much. This is why you got to be so, be a student of the Bible and be so firmly grounded in the scripture. Because see, if you don't know how to stand in tough times and you're going to be stolen from by the enemy and it's so important that you walk and live by faith and fill yourself up with the word and know that the things which you're believing for belong to you because you have found it for yourself you're filled with the knowledge of his will you've got the revelation on it and nothing is going to be able to take it from you and so a lot of times people lose that which has been given to them or they lose that thing that the Lord had done for them because they don't know how to stand their ground. And this is one of the most important things that people need to be taught concerning healing and concerning receiving from God. A lot of times people come up in a healing line or a prayer line to receive a breakthrough of some kind, whatever it may be. And they receive it under the anointing. See, the manifestation of the Spirit is an operation. The gifts of the Spirit are an operation. The Holy Ghost is moving and people receive in the glory. But a lot of times because if they're they're being carried by that anointing and carried by the glory, when they get out from under that, then they have to go out and live it and they don't know how to stand. And that's why the word must be your foundation. Always fall back on the word. Always come back to the word because it's the word that's your guarantee. It is the guarantee and it is the legal document that you can turn to to show what belongs to you, what's been provided for you. It's your legal document and it's your inheritance. It's all found right there in the word. And so this lady said, I lost the Holy Ghost. Would you give it back? Well, no, she didn't lose the Holy Ghost. But the enemy was deceiving her and trying to steal from her. He was trying to get her back into her own wrong thinking get back caught up in her mind instead of being yielded to the Spirit of God and, and operating in faith. See, it takes faith to flow with the Holy Ghost. It takes faith to move with the Holy Ghost and to yield to the Holy Ghost. And so I taught her, no, you didn't lose the Holy Ghost. She thought she had lost him. She thought that it that had been taken from her or that she, that she had, didn't have him anymore. And I said, no, you didn't lose him. But the enemy's trying to steal from you. The enemy's trying to take from you right now. No, you need to operate and stand in faith and remember that which the Lord has done you done for you, I told her. And I taught her. I said, you walk by faith. This is of the spirit. This is not of the mind. Don't let the enemy take that which belongs to you. 
tell him to flee. You know, when doubt comes to your mind, you have to resist. When fear comes to your mind, you have to resist. When depression comes to your mind, you have to resist. I'm speaking to somebody right now by the Holy Ghost. When the enemy comes and attacks, you have to resist. But you have to address the spirit that's attacking you. Depression and fear and worry and care, all of that, they're not just emotions. They're not just uh, emotional problems. No, they're devices of the enemy. They're spiritual attacks. They're evil spirits. And evil spirits that are sent to bring and carry wicked, evil things. And we don't have time to teach on that, but there's a whole teaching on demonology and what how they work. And, you know, the scripture says not to be ignorant of the enemy's devices. And so when the enemy comes with doubt, address the spirit. Doubt, I resist you in Jesus' name. When fear comes against you, address the spirit. Fear, I resist you in Jesus' name. You have no place in me. See, God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. When worry, fretting comes, worry, I resist you in Jesus' name. I will not worry. I refuse to worry. You know, and if you'll just do that, if you'll address it, and you address it in the name of Jesus, use your authority, he has to flee. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. James uh, chapter 3. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That you know, and that's resisting, resisting the enemy. Resisting the enemy is something that you do, not what God does for you. Not what God can do for you. God is not going to do anything about the devil for you. God's already done everything he's going to do about the devil. He's already defeated him, stripped him, spoiled him. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of him openly, triumphing over him in it. See, God's already done everything he's going to do. Now it's time for us to take our place and operate in the authority that's been given to us. So jumping back to the story with the lady, she was being stolen from by the enemy and she was not yielding to the Holy Ghost. But the Holy Ghost was there all along, yet she wasn't yielding to him. She was in her head about the whole thing and being stolen from because she was in doubt. So I said, you haven't lost the Holy Ghost. No, just yield to that which is on the inside of you. And so what I said to her is, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to lay my hands on you just to stir you up again. Just to just to give you a boost once again, or to kind of jumpstart you once again, I said. Not to have her receive the Holy Ghost again, because the Holy Ghost was there all along. But no, just to get her conscious of the the presence of the Holy Ghost in her life once again. And you know, a lot of times people just need a refilling or need a refreshing. And under the anointing and this, and through the laying on of hands, people can come in contact with that again. It can help them. Amen? Sometimes people need that. Sometimes people just need a refreshing. Sometimes people just need a re-stirring up in them. And the anointing can cause people to be stirred up once again and refreshed once again. It can cause them to have breakthrough in their life. And so I laid my hands on her and said, Lord, I thank you. You've already, you've already filled her. And right now, I just thank you that she is stirred up again in her spirit and that she'll yield to you and no longer doubt. Well, the woman started speaking in tongues just like she had before the first time and her face lit up with joy. So see, the Holy Ghost never went away. The Holy Ghost was always there all along. 
Now, why do I say that? A lot of times people let things lay dormant in their life. They let things lay dormant in their life and they they don't even realize that the enemy can be working behind the scenes to try to steal those things from them, to take it those things from them, and to cause them to not yield to their to their hearts and to the Spirit of God like they should. And it's important that you continue to yield and not doubt to the not doubt the Lord, not doubt his word, not doubt what he's done in you but to continue in those things. Keep stirring yourself up. Don't let it slip. Don't let the enemy take it from you. Don't let the enemy cause you to, to fall down or to go down and live under that which God has done for you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Tashti. You know, the Lord is taking us to new levels, right? The word that the Lord gave me for this year is new levels, new places, greater graces, greater blessings in my plan. And he said, along with that, in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. You know, the new levels and new places the Lord's taken us to, they're going to require a step of faith. But when we come up to those levels and those places, man, it's, it's glorious and wonderful. But we need to be careful not to go backwards from where we've been brought to. Not live any, not live back in the past, not live like we used to live, but living from a new place, walking in a new place, going to new places in glory. Can you say amen? Not to return to the former things, not to go back to the former things. Remember not the former things of old. Remember the prophet said in Isaiah uh, 43, 42, Remember not the former things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. 43, verse 18. Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. I will do a new thing. Now shall it now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it, he said. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So see, a remembrance of the former things will hinder you and keep you from entering into the new thing. The remembrance of those other things. No, we're supposed to remember what God did for us. See, there is a remembrance that we are supposed to have for what God did for us, what Christ did for us. That's why we take communion, isn't it? We take communion as a body of Christ because we're putting ourselves in remembrance of what the Lord has done for us. And you go back in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, talks about the what the church is supposed to be doing, the the practice that the church is supposed to have. As often as you drink this or eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he come, the scripture said. Remember. And we are supposed to have a remembrance of what the Lord has done for us. But we're not supposed to have a remembrance of the former things of what, of, of our flesh or the things that we used to enjoy when we were not living right or not living for the Lord. We're supposed to not remember even former things that were right at one time, but the Lord's getting ready for us to do a new thing. It's okay to remember what God has done for us. It's okay and right for us to remember the things the Lord's done for us and even how he brought us out. But don't have a remembrance of dark and evil days or days that were former, the former days that were not right. 
or former days or things when you weren't walking as you should. Or even former days of when, you know, these things were not necessarily in the plan of God, but you were growing. But no, get ready for a new thing that God wants to do. Get ready for a new thing that he is doing. And stay and live from that place. Live from that place. Because God's getting ready to do a new thing. And we're going to be propelled forward into the purpose and plan of heaven. Can you say amen? Guys, once again, thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I trust that you were blessed and you received from the Lord. Remember, you can follow the ministry on Facebook, on YouTube, right here at this podcast. And also getting ready to launch Roku TV pretty soon, where you'll be able to go and watch the ministry on TV. And more and more, the Lord is opening doors for us. Greater voice is what the Lord told me. There's going to be a greater voice and more that you're going to be able to do to reach out, get the message out. And so be following the ministry. Thank you to all my partners who sow and give into the ministry and who pray and stand in faith with us. I'm so grateful for it. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening once again. Hey everyone, this is Stephen Overbaugh, and once again, thank you for joining me on my podcast today. I'm excited to teach the Word of God this evening, and I'm looking forward to what the Lord has to say to us and what He has for us and the revelation that's going to come forth. Amen. I love the Bible. I love teaching the Bible. And so just get ready to receive, get experience your expectancy turned on, get your Bibles out and your paper and pen and get ready to study the word of God with me as we look at the scriptures and we teach uh, the scripture concerning what the Lord would have us to say. And so we've been talking about the gift to the church. And that's the title of this lesson and these lessons that we've been doing here. The gift to the church. And like I've said in these lessons, that the gift to the church from God is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of God, is the gift sent to the church, sent to believers. And it's so important that we appreciate and receive the gifts that God gives to us. Amen. It's important to know what they are to know what our inheritance is, to know what belongs to us, and to receive them. And how do we receive them? Someone said. Well, how do do you receive from God? Well, you receive from God by faith. Amen? You have to have the Word, and you have to know what the Word says. And once you find out in the Word, in the Bible, what what God has promised you, then you can have a sure foundation for faith, and you can receive that which you which God provided for you in the plan of redemption. Amen. And of all the wonderful things the Lord has provided for us, the inheritance that belongs to us, the things that we can partake of through entering into the promised land, so to speak, the one of the biggest and one of the most wonderful things that he ever sent and gave to his church is his spirit is the Holy Ghost, the third member of the Godhead. And it's the same Holy Ghost that was on Jesus in his ministry. It's the same Holy Ghost that was on Paul in his ministry. It's the same Holy Ghost that was on the the apostles in the book of Acts. It's the same Holy Ghost that was operating 
in the early days of the church. It's the same Holy Ghost that's been on ministers, men and women of God over the ages, over the, over the years. It's the same Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Spirit of God who comes to enable and to empower his church to do the work of the Lord. Amen. And now more than ever, we need to be full of his spirit. Glory be to God. And so the gift to the church is the Holy Ghost. And you've heard me say it. Jesus Christ, he is the gift to the world. Remember, the scripture says that God so loved the world, John 3, 16, that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God gave Jesus. That's the gift to the world. And the world, through Jesus, has been saved. And all they have to do is receive it. Well, once you come into Christ, once you become born again, then you qualify for something else. You qualify for more. You qualify for another gift. And it's the gift of the Holy Ghost. And Jesus talked about the Holy Ghost extensively over and over again throughout his ministry. Because part of the ministry of Jesus, the present day ministry of Jesus, is to baptize his church with the Holy Ghost in fire. And you can look back at uh, Matthew chapter 3 verse 11 and look at that scripture. That when he, he being Jesus has come, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Whose fan is in his hand, the scripture said. And that was John the Baptist speaking concerning Jesus. And so part of Jesus' present day ministry is to get his church filled with his spirit. And Jesus, like I said, taught much on the Holy Ghost, especially go back in the Gospel of John and look at John chapter 14, John chapter 15, John chapter 16. And he continually says over and over again, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter. He said, when the comforter has come, whom the Father will send in my name, he will. And then goes on to talk about his ministry. And I will send the Holy Ghost unto you, Jesus said, from the Father. And so over and over again, we see Jesus emphasizing the Holy Ghost. And it's sad to say that much of the church has not emphasized the Spirit of God and the ministry of the Spirit of God like they should have, like they should be. They're not emphasizing it as much as Jesus emphasized it. They don't see the importance of it. They think that it's passed away. They think that it's... it's uh, gotten away from the truths and the precepts of the word of God to be talking about these things. They think that tongues is of the devil. And on and on, there's just excuse after excuse for why why they say people don't need the Holy Ghost today. And, you know, it seems like people have gone to such great lengths to try to reason away the ministry of the Spirit of God. But, you know, it's so simple to just simply go to the word It's so simple just to go to the Word and find out what the Scripture has to say about His ministry, about who He is. It's so much easier just to go to the Scripture and find out what God says about the ministry of the Spirit of God. And and we must look to the Word, look to the Scripture, instead of looking to what man says. We should be looking to what the Word says and not looking to what some preacher somewhere said or what some person wrote in a book. There, you know, a lot of times people go to seminary, and a lot of times it's more often just cemetery than seminary, but they go and they get religiously brainwashed, and they and it brainwashes away all the wonderful things that the Bible talks about. And the things that God's provided for them. And they come out with all these degrees and all of this um, education. 
and they think they know what's the what is going on or what the scripture has to say. They think they're an authority on it all, but really, they're more blind than they ever were before, and they've been they're stumbling around more than they ever were before. You know, I remember the scripture said in First Corinthians, where this the there's a simplicity in Christ. You don't. I'm not saying it's wrong to get higher education. I'm not saying it's wrong to go to seminary, but don't let that education and those higher and those that learning take you away from the simplicity that's in the Word of God. Go to the Scripture. Go to the Lord. Have a relationship with Him. Talk to the Lord about it, and go and find out what does His Word say about these things. What does His Word have to say about these things? You know, I talked to a young man one time. And he would visit uh, the church where my dad and mom pastor often, but he would also go in other, to other churches in the community and visit them. And he was going to a bunch of different churches all at the same time. One week he'd go to one church, and then the next week he'd go to another church, and so on and so forth. And he came out with a bunch of messed up screwball ideas, to be honest with you. And... You know, picking up a bunch of doctrine from this place and that place and a bunch of ideas from this other place. And, and you know, before I know it, he was just full of a lot of different junk. And I kind of liken it to when you're walking through a field. And um, if you're from the country, you would know this, that they can pick up what they call these stickers. And these stickers are just these tiny little weed things like seedling. And what they do is they, they stick to your clothes. And as you walk through a field, they, you can pick them up and they start sticking to your jeans and your shirt, depending on how tall the uh, weeds and grass is. And you can come out of that and be full of these stickers. And, it, and I kind of liken it to that because so many people, they're walking and wandering around, going every which way, reading every kind of book, watching all these different ministries, you know, following after all these different things, and they're picking up a bunch of junk from all these different places. Rather than being vigilant, rather than being wise, and rather than guarding themselves, and just they just continue to pick up all of this stuff, and they come out messed up, worse off than they ever were before. Rather than guarding themselves and focusing on what the Word says and finding a good place where the Word is being taught without compromise, where they're pointing you to the scripture constantly, where they give you chapter and verse. You know, somebody who's teaching or preaching something and they only have like one isolated scripture that they're basing their whole idea off of and their whole message off of is really not a solid foundation for faith. A person who's teaching something from the word of God should give you scripture after scripture to prove what he's saying. You know, if this the word speaks loudly on something, then we should be speaking loudly on it. If it speaks quietly on something or doesn't say a whole lot about something, then we ought to be speaking quietly on that. But don't be pull a lot of times I've seen it ministers who they pull a scripture out of the Old Testament. It's one scripture and then they twist it and turn it to make it say something it didn't say. Or they're grabbing something that was true under the old covenant and try to apply it to where we are today. And then they build a whole case around it and it's just wrong doctrine. But no, we ought to be, as a, as a believers, as Christians, we ought to be living in the New Testament, primarily living out of the epistles, the letters written to the church, and then following the ministry of Jesus in the Gospels, and living out of the New Testament. Because we're in a New Testament covenant. 
the New Testament, the new covenant in his blood, Hebrews talks about. And so living out of that place and, you know, the scripture speaks loudly on the subject of the Holy Ghost and very clearly on the subject of the Holy Ghost. Let's look at some scripture today. Let's see what the word of God has to say about his ministry and who, who he is and what he's doing in the earth today. So look at John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14. And look at the 16th verse. And here Jesus says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him. For he dwelleth with you, and he shall be in you. Now we taught last time that the Comforter, the Spirit of Truth, the Holy Ghost, carries with him a ministry to the body of Christ. Carries with him a ministry not only within a believer, but upon a believer. And when Jesus was teaching here, talking about the Holy Ghost, he taught that the Comforter was going to come. He's sent from the Father and he's going to abide with you forever. His ministry is to the body of Christ forever. And he's the spirit of truth. And it says here in verse 17 that the world can't receive him, can they? So we know right away that Jesus is talking about something that the world can't receive. And it says that they don't see him, neither do they know him, neither do they understand him, we could say as well. And it says that the world can't receive him. So obviously, whatever it is that Jesus is talking about here, this gift, it has to be something that only belongs to a believer who has received Christ. Now, those who have received Christ qualify for this gift, but those who haven't received Christ, they still are out there in the dark. So clearly... What Jesus is talking about here is the infilling or the baptism in the Holy Ghost because those who are born again receive the, the, um, the Lord Jesus Christ into their heart will automatically qualify for this gift. But see, when you receive Jesus into your heart, and we say that often, we pray a prayer of faith, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, Romans chapter 10 says. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so we confess Christ, we receive Christ, and when you receive Christ, you receive Christ in the person of the Holy Ghost. He comes to dwell within you. You receive a new nature. The Spirit of God comes to dwell on the inside of you. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. We're sealed with the Spirit of promise. He's the earnest of our inheritance. And so we receive the Spirit of God within us. And we become a new creature. And, there, and then from that day on, we live in a new place, a place of greater uh, life, a place of greater joy, a place of, of love where we're, the love of God has been shed abroad or poured out in our hearts. We live in a place of peace. See, because our nature has changed. We're of a different kingdom. We, we pass from darkness into light. We're translated, the scripture said in Colossians, into the kingdom of his dear son. And that's in Colossians chapter 1. Delivered from the power of darkness. See, and that's, that's what comes when you receive 
Christ and are born again. The Spirit of God comes to live on the inside of you. So when Jesus was teaching here, he said, The Spirit of truth the world can't receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. So whatever it is that Jesus is teaching on this gift, the world can't receive it. And yet we know that the world can receive Jesus. They can receive him and be saved. So what Jesus is teaching here is the infilling or the baptism of the Holy Ghost, isn't he? And so look at it again, verse 16. We, Jesus called him a comforter. He actually said it's another comforter. If you look up this verse in the Amplified Translation, it literally means one just like me. One just like me. That comfort that the Holy Ghost provides is the same comfort that Jesus provided to the disciples and provides. He provides comfort through the person of the Holy Ghost. That comforter. It's one just like me, Jesus said. Look at the 18th verse of the same opening. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you comfortless, Jesus said. So see, the Holy Ghost is a comforter. Now, there's a six-fold meaning to his name. Not only, does his, not only is the Holy Ghost a comforter, but his name also carries with it Counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and stand by. So these are all the names that apply and describe who the Holy Ghost is. And that's the meaning of that name. The comforter, and Jesus said he's another comforter, one just like me, who provides comfort, counsel, he provides help. He is a helper. He is an intercessor, a, an advocate, and a strengthener, and a standby. Glory be to God. And so see, and I always like to teach it this way, when you become born again and child of God, you receive the wonderful riches of his grace, the wonderful person of the Holy Ghost, the, the presence of God. It comes to live in you, and you receive all of these wonderful blessings. Like I said, your nature is changed. And the wonderful nature of God is imparted into your spirit. And love is imparted into you. And the fruit of your spirit now becomes love, joy, and peace, and long-suffering, and faithfulness. All these wonderful things. And that's what, all these wonderful things come within you. And, it's, and we are blessed by those things. And like I said, we, where we didn't have joy, now we have joy and peace. Where we didn't want to love and we were haters, now we want to love and it's in our nature. So see, all these wonderful things come in us. And yet, by receiving the Holy Ghost, not only within but upon you, you receive everything that God is in a fuller measure. So you can have joy, the fruit of joy in your life within you. But when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you can have joy upon you. Be full of his joy. Have joy in the Holy Ghost, like Romans chapter 14, verse 17 talks about. The kingdom of God is not righteousness, or the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, I'm sorry. But it's righteousness, and it's peace, and it's joy in the Holy Ghost. That's something entirely different. See, joy within, but then when you're filled with the Spirit of God, baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, joy can come upon you. 
And not only that, but you can receive a greater power. You can receive more anointing. You can see receive greater grace. See, everything that God is just gets uh, taken to another level. And you have a greater measure of it. More impartations. And how many people wouldn't want more of God? See, a lot of times people are seeking for more from God. I know this to be true because I've talked to so many people that uh, they love the Lord. But when you talk to them, there's something missing. And you don't have to look too far. You just ask them about this very subject right here. And oftentimes, much of the time, they have never been filled with the Holy Ghost. They're seeking for something. They don't know exactly what they want or what they need. But they're seeking for more of God. Well, this is the way you can have more of God. And not only being filled once, but being refilled. Paul said to the church at Ephesus, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, there is a play on that word. If you look it up in the Greek, if you study it out, and I'm not a Greek scholar by any means, but I do have a Greek concordance, and you can study these words out. And if you look up this, this verse in the Greek and, and study it out, it literally means, but be being filled. But be being filled. In other words, maintain a constant experience of being filled with the Holy Ghost. This oftentimes is a problem for many Christians who have been filled. The problem with them is that they were filled, but they're not filled today. The problem is they one time in one place, a certain date in life, they were filled. But they haven't done anything with it since then. See, there's, it's one thing to have been filled, but it's another thing to be refilled. And it's, it makes sense in the natural. If you fill your car up with gas, eventually by driving around, you're going to use up all that gas. You're going to have to refill, won't you? And it's exactly what needs to take place in the realm of the Spirit. When you become filled with the Holy Ghost and receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost, it, you, you are filled with His presence and filled with His glory and filled and you have the evidence of speaking with other tongues like Acts 2.4 talks about. But from that day forth, maintain that constant experience. Maintain that experience. In other words, keep being filled with the Holy Ghost. I like to say it this way. Just stay full. Continue to stay full every single day, praying in the Holy Ghost. When you drive to work, pray in the Holy Ghost. When you're cooking at home, dinner at home or something, pray in the Holy Ghost. Train your spirit. Train yourself and train your spirit to pray every single day. I remember something the Lord spoke to me um, in a time of prayer. I was praying with a group of people, leading it, and having a wonderful time in the Lord. And right in the midst of it, he said something very simple to me that has stuck with me. And it's very important that we not overlook some of these things. But he said to me, be faithful to pray. Be faithful to pray. You know, we always talk about the faithfulness of God, how faithful he is to us. We worship him and honor him for his faithfulness. We thank him for his faithfulness. But you know, God's looking for faithfulness from us. And one of the things that he needs us to be faithful in is in prayer. Be faithful to pray. And Paul talked about that throughout the scriptures and others in the New Testament talked about it. Continue in prayer. Cease not to pray. Cease not to give thanks. Come, continue to come before the Lord. You know, the, the prayer and the 
the supplication that the church makes before the Lord has tremendous power with it. And the Lord needs our prayers. He needs us to be praying, especially in these last days. It's so important. And the Lord emphasized that to me. Be faithful to pray. Be faithful to pray. The Lord needs our voice. And he needs believers who can pray not only out of their own understanding, but praying in the Spirit. Praying, being led by the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 taught that. Paul said, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Well, again, if you look that word up in this dictionary and in the Greek concordance, you'll find that in the Spirit actually carries with it another meaning. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. So in other words, you're praying in the Spirit, you're in the Spirit, and you're also giving place to be directed and led by the Holy Ghost in whatever direction you need to pray in whatever direction is needed at that particular time. And watching thereunto, he goes on to say, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. See, and so praying, be faithful to pray, Jesus said. Be faithful to pray. Continue to pray. It's something that the church must be doing. Every single one of us has a ministry of prayer. We need to be praying more than ever before. And you're going to have a hard time praying And it's going to be dry and it's going to be dull until you get filled with the Holy Ghost. And I know I'm teaching to a lot of people that already are filled with the Holy Ghost. But I'm not just talking about being full one time. I'm talking about staying full. I'm talking about continuing to stir yourself up in the Spirit. To continuing to stir up the gift of God which is in you. To continue to build yourself up on your most holy faith praying in the Holy Ghost. Jude Jude verse 20 says. Because see, praying in the Holy Ghost every single day will cause you to walk in a greater wisdom, cause you to be more sensitive and in tune to the Spirit of God so you can be great, more easily led by the Spirit and make better decisions in life. You know, a lot of times people, because they've allowed themselves to get dry, that they're dull to the voice of God. They're dull to the voice of God. They don't hear Him like they should. And they're like, why isn't God talking to me? Well, if you want God to talk to you, You need to get full of his spirit again. If you want God to talk to you and you want his voice to be more clear, then you got to get full and stay full. You know, it's kind of like tuning an old radio. I know we don't listen to radios as much as we used to, but, um, you know, with radios, you had had to tune it and to adjust it so that you could get the right frequency. And at first it's a little staticky, but as you keep adjusting and keep turning the knobs eventually it becomes clear, it gets clear. And that's exactly what you do when you're spending time with the Lord in his presence. You start to tune up, you start to clear it up, your ears start to get clear, and then you can hear his voice like you need to. Glory, hallelujah. And so it's important. It's an admonishment to those that have been filled to keep being filled. You know, I remember a lady that I talked to um, years ago, back in 2016. And I had ministered in this one uh, place in this, it was a home group, actually, I was asked to teach some Bible lessons for a month. And so I was teaching along and this lady came up to me afterwards, after one of the um, teaching lessons that I had been giving. And she said, I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I've desired it for many years. I've always wanted to be, but I was told I couldn't receive it. 
I was told that it didn't belong to everybody, that certain people couldn't receive. And the scripture that she was referring to was in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, talking about uh, verse 31. It says, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. Well, in the context of what Paul was saying, he was teaching that the public ministry of the Holy of tongues with interpretation, not everyone is used in that way. And there's a difference between being filled with the Spirit of God and praying in tongues in your own personal life and you're having your own prayer language versus being used by the Spirit of God, the gift of the gifts of the Spirit. One of the gifts of the Spirit is tongues with interpretation. That's a public ministry to the church in public assembly. And not everyone is used in that public ministry of tongues with interpretation. Yet, every single person can be filled and have a personal prayer language before God. But the a lot of times, this is the scripture that people always go to. And they try to prove that not everyone can speak with tongues. No, it's not for everybody. Well, they're taking this scripture out of context. But anyways, I taught these things to this lady. I said, no, this is what it really means. And she saw the light and she was filled with the Holy Ghost. In the process of time, after she had been filled, it had been a a matter of weeks. She came to me again. And she walked up to me. I said, hey, how you doing? And she said, well, you know, I was praying in tongues for a while. I was having a great time praying. But all of a sudden kind of just over the process of time, I just kind of began to lose it, began to, and I I feel like I can't speak in tongues anymore. I feel like I've lost the Holy Ghost. And I was wondering if you could pray for me again, that the Holy Ghost would come back to me. Well, I said to her and taught it from the word that the, the enemy will try to come and steal what the Lord has given you. And we know this to be true. If you go back and we don't have time to teach on it, but concerning healing, that in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus talked about how when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and finding none. And he says, I will return unto my house. This is in Matthew chapter 12, verse 43 and 44. And from whence I came and... When he find it, come, he finds it empty, swept, and garnished. And he goes in and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they do enter in. And the state of the man is worse than the first. Now Jesus was talking about and teaching on the activity of evil spirits. And how when an evil spirit is cast out, that a lot of times, or even the thing that the enemy was bringing on somebody or putting on somebody, whether it be sickness and disease or whatever the case, that a lot of times the enemy is dealt with and he goes away. He has to flee in the name of Jesus. But if people aren't taught correctly, then that enemy will try to come back and try to put that same thing back on them. And I've seen it time and time again where the enemy will try to put it back on them, put things back on them and try to steal, kill, and destroy constantly. And if believers don't know their rights and privileges and don't know how to hold on, see, holding on is so important. Holding on to the things which God has given you holding on to the things which he's provided for you see this is why you got to know the word so much this is why you got to be so uh, be a student of the bible and be so firmly grounded in the scripture because see if you don't know how to stand in tough times and you're going to be 
stolen from by the enemy. And it's so important that you walk and live by faith and fill yourself up with the word and know that the things which you're believing for belong to you because you have found it for yourself. You're filled with the knowledge of his will. You've got the revelation on it and nothing is going to be able to take it from you. And so a lot of times people lose that which has been given to them or they lose that thing that the Lord had done for them because they don't know how to stand their ground. And this is one of the most important things that people need to be taught concerning healing and concerning receiving from God. A lot of times people come up in a healing line or a prayer line to receive a breakthrough of some kind, whatever it may be. And they receive it under the anointing. See, the manifestation of the Spirit is in operation. The gifts of the Spirit are in operation. The Holy Ghost is moving and people receive in the glory. But a lot of times because they're... They're being carried by that anointing and carried by the glory. When they get out from under that, then they have to go out and live it and they don't know how to stand. And that's why the word must be your foundation. Always fall back on the word. Always come back to the word because it's the word that's your guarantee. It is the guarantee and it is the legal document that you can turn to to show what belongs to you, what's been provided for you. It's your legal document. And it's your inheritance. It's all found right there in the word. And so this lady said, I lost the Holy Ghost. Would you give it back? Well, no, she didn't lose the Holy Ghost. But the enemy was deceiving her and trying to steal from her. He was trying to get her back into her own wrong thinking, get back caught up in her mind instead of being yielded to the Spirit of God and and operating in faith. See, it takes faith to flow with the Holy Ghost. It takes faith to move with the Holy Ghost and to yield to the Holy Ghost. And so I taught her, no, you didn't lose the Holy Ghost. She thought she had lost him. She thought that it that had been taken from her or that she that she had didn't have him anymore. And I said, no, you didn't lose him, but the enemy's trying to steal from you. The enemy's trying to take from you right now. No, you need to operate and stand in faith and remember that which the Lord has done you done for you, I told her. And I taught her. I said, you walk by faith. This is of the spirit. This is not of the mind. Don't let the enemy take that which belongs to you. Tell him to flee. You know, when doubt comes to your mind, you have to resist. When fear comes to your mind, you have to resist. When depression comes to your mind, you have to resist. I'm speaking to somebody right now by the Holy Ghost. When the enemy comes and attacks, you have to resist. But you have to address the spirit that's attacking you. Depression and fear and worry and care, all of that, they're not just emotions. They're not just uh, emotional problems. No, they're devices of the enemy. They're spiritual attacks. They're evil spirits. And evil spirits that are sent to bring and carry wicked, evil things. And we don't have time to teach on that, but there's a whole teaching on demonology and what how they work. And, you know, the scripture says not to be ignorant of the enemy's devices. And so when the enemy comes with doubt, address the spirit. Doubt, I resist you in Jesus' name. When fear comes against you, address the spirit. Fear, I resist you in Jesus' name. You have no place in me. See, God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. 
When worry, fretting comes, worry, I resist you in Jesus' name. I will not worry. I refuse to worry. You know, and if you'll just do that, if you'll address it, and you address it in the name of Jesus, use your authority, he has to flee. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. James uh, chapter 3. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That, you know, and that's resisting, resisting the enemy. Resisting the enemy is something that you do, not what God does for you. Not what God can do for you. God is not going to do anything about the devil for you. God's already done everything he's going to do about the devil. He's already defeated him, stripped him, spoiled him. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of him openly, triumphing over him in it. See, God's already done everything he's going to do. Now it's time for us to take our place and operate in the authority that's been given to us. So jumping back to the story with the lady. She was being stolen from by the enemy and she was not yielding to the Holy Ghost. But the Holy Ghost was there all along. Yet she wasn't yielding to him. She was in her head about the whole thing and being stolen from because she was in doubt. So I said, you haven't lost the Holy Ghost. No, just yield to that which is on the inside of you. And so what I said to her is, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to lay my hands on you just to stir you up again. Just to, just to give you a boost once again, or to kind of jumpstart you once again, I said. Not to have her receive the Holy Ghost again, because the Holy Ghost was there all along. But no, just to get her conscious of the, the presence of the Holy Ghost in her life once again. And you know, a lot of times people just need a refilling or need a refreshing. And under the anointing and, this, and through the laying on of hands, people can come in contact with that again. It can help them. Amen? Sometimes people need that. Sometimes people just need a refreshing. Sometimes people just need a restirring up in them. And the anointing can cause people to be stirred up once again and refreshed once again. It can cause them to have breakthrough in their life. And so I laid my hands on her and said, Lord, I thank you. You've already, you've already filled her. And right now, I just thank you that she is stirred up again in her spirit. And that she'll yield to you and no longer doubt. Well, the woman started speaking in tongues, just like she had before the first time. And her face lit up with joy. So see, the Holy Ghost never went away. The Holy Ghost was always there all along. Now, why did I say that? A lot of times people let things lay dormant in their life. They let things lay dormant in their life and they, they don't even realize that the enemy can be working behind the scenes to try to steal those things from them, to take it, those things from them, and to cause them to not yield to their to their hearts and to the spirit of God like they should. And it's important that you continue to yield and not doubt to the not doubt the Lord, not doubt his word, not doubt what he's done in you, but to continue in those things. Keep stirring yourself up. Don't let it slip. Don't let the enemy take it from you. Don't let the enemy cause you to to fall down or to go down and live under that which God has done for you. Mm, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Touched it. You know, the Lord is taking us to new levels, right? The word that the Lord gave me for this year is new levels, new places, greater graces, greater blessings in my plan. And he said, along with that, in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. 
you know, the new levels and new places the Lord's taken us to, they're going to require a step of faith. But when we come up to those levels and those places, man, it's it's glorious and wonderful. But we need to be careful not to go backwards from where we've been brought to. Not live any, not live back in the past. Not live like we used to live, but living from a new place. Walking in a new place. Going to new places in glory. Can you say amen? Not to return to the former things. Not to go back to the former things. Remember not the former things of old. Remember the prophet said in Isaiah uh, 43, 42. Remember not the former things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. 43, verse 18. Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. I will do a new thing. Now shall it now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? He said, I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So see, a remembrance of the former things will hinder you and keep you from entering into the new thing. The remembrance of those other things. No, we're supposed to remember what God did for us. See, there is a remembrance that we are supposed to have for what God did for us, what Christ did for us. That's why we take communion, isn't it? We take communion as a body of Christ because we're putting ourselves in remembrance of what the Lord has done for us. And you go back in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, talks about the what the church is supposed to be doing, the, the practice that the church is supposed to have. As often as you drink this or eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he come, the scripture said. Remember. And we are supposed to have a remembrance of what the Lord has done for us. But we're not supposed to have a remembrance of the former things of what? Of, of our flesh or the things that we used to enjoy when we were not living right or not living for the Lord. We're supposed to not remember even former things that were right at one time, but the Lord's getting ready for us to do a new thing. It's okay to remember what God has done for us. It's okay and right for us to remember the things the Lord's done for us and even how he brought us out. But don't have a remembrance of dark and evil days or days that were former, the former days that were not right. Or former days or things when you weren't walking as you should. Or even former days of when, you know, these things were not necessarily in the plan of God, but you were growing. But no, get ready for a new thing that God wants to do. Get ready for a new thing that he is doing. And stay and live from that place. Live from that place. Because God's getting ready to do a new thing. And we're going to be propelled forward into the purpose and plan of heaven. Can you say amen? Guys, once again, thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I trust that you were blessed and you received from the Lord. Remember, you can follow the ministry on Facebook, on YouTube, right here at this podcast. And also getting ready to launch Roku TV pretty soon, where you'll be able to go and watch the ministry on TV. And more and more, the Lord is opening doors for us. Greater voice is what the Lord told me. There's going to be a greater voice and more that you're going to be able to do to reach out and get the message out. 
And so be following the ministry. Thank you to all my partners who sow and give into the ministry and who pray and stand in faith with us. I'm so grateful for it. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening once again. Hey, everyone. This is Stephen Overbaugh. You're listening to my podcast. Thank you for joining me once again. We're going to jump right into the Word and continue teaching along the lines of what we have been teaching on. And we've been talking about the Holy Ghost and how he's a gift to the church, the Holy Ghost and the church. And you know, the Holy Ghost and the church are supposed to have a relationship, a, a divine harmony and union between each other. Because, you know, the church that has received Jesus must receive his spirit and must accept his spirit. And much of the church has rejected the spirit of of Almighty God and they've rejected the, the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. But yet, the Lord Jesus is endeavoring to get his church filled with his spirit, not just within, but upon. And you know, the Holy Ghost is a gift. He is a gift to the church. You know, I could teach on a lot of other subjects. There are a lot of other subjects that I know and understand in the Bible. But the Lord keeps emphasizing this to me, this subject, keeps uh, bringing this up to my in my spirit and and keeps dealing with me about teaching along these lines because it is so important in these last days it's important that the body of Christ be filled with the spirit of God be filled with the power of God be filled with the anointing of God to go out and do the work of the Lord and to get ready for the move of God the move of God that shall sweep and take place in these last days and you know uh, the body of Christ being full of the Holy Ghost will be full of the the leading and the guidance that the that heaven is bringing to the body of Christ. When you're full of the Holy Ghost, you're, then you'll be aware of what heaven is doing. You'll be aware of the direction that heaven is going in. You'll be aware of what heaven is all about. Instead of instead of wandering and wandering and being wayward in the things of God. No, heaven is moving. Heaven is moving in a direction. Heaven is moving in a in a a specific direction. And it's and vital that we be in the right place at the right time. And I don't know of too many Christians that are in their God ordained place and in the perfect will of God for their life that live without the Holy Ghost in his fullness that are not filled and baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. It is very difficult for you to reject the gift and still be used of God in the way that he wants you to be used. And so we need to continue to teach along these lines and to continue to emphasize the spirit-filled life because it's such a wonderful life. It's such a wonderful life. It's a life of power. It's a life of greater things greater grace, greater anointing. And so anyways, we're going to teach along these lines again. And if you have your Bible say you can open to John chapter 14 and look at the 16th verse. This is our text for these lessons that we've been giving, our main text. And I would encourage you if you have your Bibles to pull them out, to get your pen and paper out, to get your highlighters out, whatever you need, because we're going to study the word today. In John chapter 14, and looking at the 16th verse, Jesus said to the disciples, I will pray the Father, 
And he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, Jesus said, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Something I want to emphasize and point out here. Jesus said, I will pray the Father, or in other words, I will pray unto the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Notice that the comforter was sent from the Father. And the scripture speaks on this and points this out over and over again, that the comforter has been sent was sent from the Father, a gift from our Father God. If you look at the 14th chapter of the same opening and then the 26th verse, John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus said, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. Notice John chapter 15, verse 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom the Father, or whom I will send unto you from the Father. Notice, from the Father. So Jesus said here, I will send unto you from the Father. Now look at John chapter 16. Look at the 13th verse. Howbeit when the Spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he hear, that shall he speak. He will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, Jesus said. For he shall receive of mine, show it unto you. Notice verse 15. All things that the Father hath are mine. So you see over and over again, the Father is being emphasized here. And you can look back at other, we have other scriptures we could turn to. I'm just giving you a few few at the moment. But over and over again, the Father is actively involved and involved with what is going on and what hath taken place with the Holy Ghost. The Father sent him. He was sent from the Father. And Jesus said, I will pray the Father or unto the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Notice, give you another comforter. We're talking about how the Holy Ghost is a gift. Well, the Father gave us another comforter. Another comforter. Comforter. Now, if you look up that word, another comforter, and study it out, look at different translations, you'll find that literally what it means, what Jesus was saying, is that it's one just like me. So reading it that way, I will pray the Father, he shall give you another comforter, or one just like me. Now, Jesus emphasized that for a reason. I always like to say that Jesus doesn't say anything for no reason. Jesus doesn't say anything, or the things that he says, he says for a reason, and they're important, and we ought to be paying attention to them and not overlooking them. Jesus said that the comforter that would come would be one just like me. Now, I'm sure when the disciples heard that, that they couldn't understand that. There were things that they couldn't receive at the time. There, Jesus said himself, there's many things that I want to say to you, but you're not able to bear them or receive them. But he also said, when the Comforter has come, he will teach you all things. He'll show you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. But at the time, the disciples probably didn't understand what Jesus was saying. And I think even today, there are a lot of people that 
they read these kind of scriptures and they don't really understand them. But Jesus said that the Comforter, when he has come, he'll be just like me. One just like me. Hallelujah. Now I want to point out another scripture to you that reiterates this and um, further gives light on what Jesus was saying. John chapter 16, look at the 13th verse again. Or I'm sorry, look at the 7th verse. John chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I say, I tell you the truth, Jesus said. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Notice what Jesus is emphasizing here. He said, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you. For you. For you that I go away. Now, I want to point out the scripture there says expedient. That's a King James word. There's a footnote in my Bible which says advantageous, or in other words, to your advantage that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. Not come to you. But how could that be, Jesus? I mean, we would think in our minds that having the Son of God on the earth and be walking with him and talking with him and seeing him work miracles, that that would be the greatest thing. You know, the epistle of John, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1 and 2, the scripture John spoke and wrote and said that we handled the word of life. We saw him. We looked on him. We heard his words. That which we've received, we declare unto you, he said. So they walked with him. They talked with him. They saw his work. They saw how wonderful, the wonderful things that he did. So how could it be better? How could it be to our advantage? How could it have been to the advantage of the disciples that Jesus go away? But Jesus clearly said that. So what, is, what was Jesus saying there? Well, he gives his answer. He explains it. He says, if I go not away, the comforter will not come. Well, going back to what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 16, he said, I will pray the Father, he will give you another comforter. Well, what did he say about him? He's one just like me. So the Holy Ghost, or the comforter, is one just like the Lord Jesus. And when Jesus departed and went to sit at the right hand of God and make intercession for the saints... The Comforter was able to come, come to the earth and dwell within every single one of us. Not only be within us, but also to come upon us. Now, and Jesus said that is to your advantage. It is to your advantage. And Christians need to see it that way. That receiving the Holy Ghost, receiving the Spirit of God is an advantage unto me. It is an advantage unto me. It gives me an advantage in this life. You could look at it that way. It gives me an advantage in this life. It's like I got an edge over everybody else when I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. And it really is the honest truth. I mean, 
I've talked to so many Christians and their stories line up with my story. The moment I got filled with the Holy Ghost, they received a power that was beyond what I had before. I received a grace beyond what I had before. I received a joy that was be that was greater and more f- and stronger than whatever I had before. The fullness of his joy, the fullness of everything that he is. And it really really made an advantage in my life and I know it's done that for so many people now remember what the prophet said in Joel chapter 2 verse 28 he said in the last days saith the spirit of God I will pour saith God I will pour out my spirit notice on all flesh so one big advantage that Jesus was talking about one advantage that Jesus was talking about when the Holy Ghost would come to the earth, is that the Spirit of God would be poured out on all flesh. All flesh. The, the prophet said, your sons and daughters would prophesy. Your old men should dream dreams. Your young men should see visions. And upon my servants and handmaids in those days. In other words, from the least to the greatest, everyone can have the Spirit of God be poured out upon them. Now that is a huge advantage. Rather than just the Son of God being on the earth, walking on on the earth, and singularly, and just Him alone, now the body of Christ, all members of the body of Christ, have the opportunity to walk around doing the works of Jesus, walking around as Jesus did, fulfilling the mandate, fulfilling the work of God with power, and with the anointing. So no longer is it just Jesus walking on the earth, but it's the body of Christ filled with the same spirit that Jesus had walking around the earth. And that is an advantage. That is advantageous. The comforter was sent to be poured out on all flesh. You remember in the Old Testament, the scripture said that, that and teaches that there were only certain individuals that had the Holy Ghost. Not everyone had the Holy Ghost. Actually, Israel was spiritually dead. They were not born again. They were still, their hearts and their nature had not been changed yet. And so they would perform and offer sacrifices of worship in the flesh by direction of the law, but it was not in the spirit. It was not in the spirit. And if anyone needed direction or guidance, they would have to go to the prophet for guidance. But that guidance was not on the inside of them. They didn't have the Holy Ghost within them. See, but those that were specifically anointed by the Holy Ghost were either the prophet, the priest, or the king. And see, that was the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. And when we come over to the New Covenant, however, God's plan is that everyone be filled. God's plan is that everyone be led for themselves. God's plan is that everybody get into their God-ordained place and operate in that place by His grace. And so, when Jesus talks about the advantage, how it's important, it's necessary, and He said, I'm telling you the truth, that I go away because the Comforter will not come if I don't go. But if I depart, I will send Him unto you. I will send Him unto you. Now, Remember what Jesus said back here in John chapter 14 and verse 12. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall you do also. And greater works than these 
shall you do because I go unto my father. Notice the phrase that he notice that last statement. He said, because I go unto my father. See, when Jesus left to go to the father and because he left, he left so that the Holy Ghost could come and the greater works are now possible not just the same works that Jesus did, but greater works, Jesus said, shall you do. Because of this, because I go into my Father, because the Holy Ghost has come, in other words. And so see, talking about the advantage, Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away so that the Comforter can come. See? And so believers need to see it the way God sees it. They need to... They need to receive and recognize what Jesus is saying. Jesus is still actively involved with his church. He is interceding at the right hand of God for us. He is fulfilling his ministry. He has a ministry. And part of his ministry is to get his church filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized with the Holy Ghost in fire, according to Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. But see, we need to recognize what Jesus is saying and then act upon what he is saying and submit ourselves under what he is saying because Jesus said it's to your advantage it's to your advantage to receive the comforter the Holy Ghost can you say amen now John chapter 14 verse 16 says I will pray the father he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever that he may abide or stay or remain with you forever. Glory be to God. I don't know about you. That gets me excited. He's not here t- today and gone tomorrow. He's not here on the good days, but gone when you're having bad days. He's not here just when you're doing good, but then when you mess up or slip up, then he's gone. No, he's here with us, abiding with us forever. People think that the Holy Ghost brings conviction and and condemnation to their life whenever they mess up. They think that it's the Holy Ghost that's condemning them when they sin and mess up. And it's true that believers do sin and mess up, but it's not the Holy Ghost that's bringing that conviction. No, he convicts the world of their need of righteousness and of of, of their need of Jesus. Now, I got scripture to back up what I'm saying. Let me teach you this. John chapter 16, look at the look at the eighth verse. He said here, Jesus said here, and when he is come, he being the comforter, just like we read about in verse 7 earlier, a little while earlier, when he is come, he will reprove the world. Now that word reprove there literally means convict. That's a footnote in my Bible there. It means convict. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Now, notice he didn't say one thing about convicting the church. He didn't say one thing about convicting the church. No, he said here, I will convict or reprove, or he will convict, reprove the world. What's he going to convict them of? Of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Verse 9. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and ye see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world 
is judged, that being the devil. So notice, didn't say one thing there about the Holy Ghost being a convictor of the church. He's not convicting the church according to the scripture. Now, let me look at another scripture. Let me show you another scripture to prove what I'm saying to you. Because a lot of times people think that it's the Lord that's convicting them and condemning them. Beating on them for making mistakes. Beating on them for for falling and slipping. But look at 1 John at, and look at the third verse. Look at the 19th verse. The third chapter, the 19th verse. 1 John chapter 3, verse 19. And hereby we know, I like that, don't you? We know, that's a confident faith word. That is a, a word of full persuasion. We know. You know, faith knows, doesn't it? Faith knows. It's not questioning. It's not wondering. It knows. And we can have a knowing in ourselves, in our hearts, concerning the things of God. Because we are in faith towards God. We're operating in the faith of God. Hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him, him being God. Verse 20, for if our heart condemn us, notice God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Verse 21, beloved, if our heart condemn us not, we have confidence toward God. Didn't say there that God was condemning us, did it? It said our heart condemn us, condemns us. Well, why would our heart condemn us? Well, our heart condemns us when we sin because we of our nature. Our nature has been changed. Our heart has been changed. The scripture said, uh, the prophet said in um, Ezekiel that he would take out the stony heart that is of our f- flesh and give us a heart of flesh. No longer our heart being stony and hard, but now our heart being tender towards God. Not only that, we become new creatures in Christ Jesus. Old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. So our heart, our nature has been changed. The love of God has been shed abroad in our heart. Galatians 5.22 talks about the fruits of our spirit, the fruit of God that's growing off of our spirit because we've been changed. And so when we sin, when we make mistakes, our heart condemns us. Why? Because our heart is not in agreement with the actions of our flesh. Our heart doesn't want to sin. Our heart doesn't want... If you're born again, if you're a child of God, then you don't want to sin. And then somebody said, well, no, I do feel like sinning. I do want to sin. No, your flesh wants to sin. Yeah, you'll have those feelings. Your, your body has not been changed. Your body is still death doomed. It's mortal. And that's why the scripture says you're supposed to keep under your body. Paul said that in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. I keep under my body. I keep my body under. I bring it into subjection. So our body wants to sin, but our heart doesn't. And it's, it condemns us whenever we do sin. It condemns us whenever we mis- make a mistake. And it's not God, according to the scripture that we just read, that's condemning us. It says that he is greater than our heart. I want you to notice that statement. God is greater than our heart. You know, I remember one time when I had made a mistake, I had messed up on something and this was years ago, and I was feeling really bad about it. I was 
convicted. I was actually trying to fall asleep one night and I just couldn't fall asleep because I was feeling so condemned and so ashamed. And I saw the distinction between what God was doing and what the Holy Ghost was trying to do in me and what my heart was doing. My heart was condemning me for I knew it was wrong. And that's a good thing. If your conscience is clear and you're tender before God, then your heart will condemn you. And that's a good thing. You don't want a seared conscience. Your conscience must be tender before God. If you have a seared conscience, then you become callous because you've allowed yourself to continue in wrong behavior. But anyways, I was just feeling so condemned and so ashamed. And I noticed when I was sitting there that the Holy Ghost began to bring his comfort that night. He began to comfort me with the word and began to comfort me with his, with his presence and to say, it's okay, get up. You can do this. And you know, I saw the distinction right there because I was being sensitive to what the Lord was doing. That it's the Holy Ghost that's my comforter, not my condemner. He is the convictor to the world, like we saw. But he is the comforter to the church. And so see, if our hearts condemn us, verse 20, God is greater than our heart. God is greater than our heart. And he knoweth all things. He knows all things. Glory be to God. And so jumping back to the scripture that we were in in John chapter um, we were looking at the 16th chapter and we looked at the 8th verse. It says that he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. But see, the church is not in condemnation. The church is not under condemnation. In fact, Jesus or Paul said to the church in Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation in them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. But notice that the Holy Ghost will bring a conviction to the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Well, when does he convict them? He convicts and he reproves through the message that comes forth. When we're preaching and teaching the word of God, when we're telling the good news, when we're telling the message, the conviction of the Holy Ghost will come on the world, will come on the backslider, will come on the sinner to call them to repentance to call them to come into the light, to call them to change, to call them to, to receive the gift of Jesus Christ. And see, that's the conviction of the world. Now, I have told people when I've ministered to them, I've ministered to some of the, the uh, darkest dogs healing uh, heathens that you ever could know. And I was ministering to one individual one time, and I was just giving him the word, just giving him the scripture. And as I did, I told him, I said, now you'll notice that the conviction of the Holy Ghost is on you right now. And you know that this is for you. I said, right? And he said, yep, I can tell that. I, I, yeah, that's exactly right. I did, and, and he acknowledged it right there, right where I was talking to him. And you know, talking to people about the Lord, you don't have to persuade them. You just have to tell them and give the word preach the word and it's important to know the word so you can give the word because you can debate with people all day long but when you give them the word you're giving them the anointing the word is anointed and it shall bring the conviction of the holy ghost onto people's lives and the holy ghost can work with that word but see the holy ghost is not convicting the church he is 
bringing comfort to the church. He abides with us forever. Look at John 14 and 16 again. The comforter will be sent from the Father, and it has been sent from the Father. Another comforter, one just like me, Jesus said, that he may abide with you forever. Notice that he is has been called to abide with us forever. He's not going to leave on your worst day. He doesn't leave on your lowest day or in the lowest moments of your life. No, he's there. And you just need to be aware of his presence in your life. Draw from within his presence. Draw up from within the wonderful things of God. And don't be condemned any longer. Now notice Jesus said in verse 17, The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you, shall be in you. And we know that the Holy Ghost has come to live within us in the and that he is we our nature has been changed the spirit of God dwells within us but also Jesus said that he can come upon you and should be upon you in this hour receive power from on high like acts chapter 1 verse 8 says you shall receive power after that the holy ghost is come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me so the holy ghost is a gift to the church isn't he He's a gift to the church. Jesus Christ is the gift to the world. The Holy Ghost is the gift to the church. And he's a comforter. He's a comforter to the church. He's a comforter in the life of every single believer. He's the comforter that will abide with you forever. The Holy Ghost came upon Jesus and must come upon his church. You know, Jesus had to be anointed by the Spirit of God. Jesus had to go be anointed by the Holy Ghost in order to do anything that he did. To do, perform the miracles, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out devils. It all had to be done through the anointing. Look back at your Bibles in Luke chapter 4. Look at the 16th verse. And it came to... And he came to Nazareth, he being Jesus, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, I want you to notice that Jesus is reading from the prophet Isaiah concerning himself. We know this to be true. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. So some would be some would question or some make the assumption that Jesus did everything that he did solely because he's the Son of God. He did it out of his divine nature of who he is and yes jesus is the son of god and he did not cease to be the son of god just because he came to the earth but the scripture teaches in philippians chapter 2 verse 5 that he set aside his power and glory took on the form of a servant he laid aside all of it and so jesus did not 
heal anybody or raise the dead or cast out devils or do any wonderful work that he did solely because he was the son of God. No, he did what he did because he was anointed and led by the spirit of God. And he had received the anointing to do what he did. And do you notice, well, before I say this, turn back over in your Bibles. You're in uh, Luke chapter 4. Look back at Luke chapter 3 and look at the 21st verse. It says, Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened. So Jesus came and he was baptized and notice when he came up out of the water, the heaven was open. And verse 22 said, And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, notice, upon him. And a voice came from heaven, which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. Notice the Holy Ghost descended in bodily shape like a dove. Didn't say it was a dove, but it said like a dove. If you've ever seen a dove fall, then you know what this is talking about. And it notice that it came upon Jesus. Notice he came upon Jesus. And the Father was there uh, pronouncing his blessing, saying, I am well pleased in him and in this. Now, there are many other scriptures. You can go back and look at Matthew chapter 3, Mark chapter 1, John chapter 1, and look at the accounts. You find that Jesus was baptized in the river Jordan and the Holy Ghost came upon him. But now Jesus being the son of God, if he had performed the miracles that he did solely because he was the son of God, then why didn't he, why wasn't he healing and delivering before he got baptized with the Holy Ghost? See, we don't see Jesus ever. We don't have an account of Jesus healing anybody raising any dead, casting out any devils before the age of 30 and before this account where he got baptized in the River Jordan and the Holy Ghost came upon him. We don't see Jesus performing one miracle. We don't see him even, we don't see him doing what he did until he was baptized, until he received the Holy Ghost. See, see Jesus, Jesus was just as much the Son of God at age 29 as he was 30. But he didn't heal anybody when he was 29, did he? He was just the much, a son of, much the son of God at 28, 27, 26, 25, and so on and so forth, all the way down. He was the son of God. In fact, the scripture talks about him being a young man and going to the temple with his parents. At age 13, he would have become a man. But see, he was the son of God, but he didn't perform any miracles. He didn't heal any sick. No, he. none of that took place until this moment in time when he received the Holy Ghost upon him. Notice this, notice the phrase upon him, upon him. So now see, if Jesus had to be anointed by the Spirit of God to do what he did, so must we be anointed. How much more does his church need to be anointed to do the works, to do the wonderful things of God? So many people are out there trying to do their own work, trying to do the work of God without the help of the Holy Ghost who will empower them. But if Jesus had to be anointed, so must the church be anointed. And Jesus said, I will send him unto you. 
I will send him unto you. I will send him unto you from the Father. Glory be to God. And so we should be thanking God for the gift of the Holy Ghost. I've had talked to people that have said that it's not for everybody. But how can you tell me that? And how can you base that? What are you basing that on? Because the scripture never once said that it's for one person and not for another person. It never once says in the Bible that the Holy Ghost was poured out on only some people that wanted him, but not others. No. No, the Holy Ghost is poured out on those who want him. Believers who desire. Believers who want more of God. There's a scripture in the Bible in uh, Acts chapter 2. Look at the 38th verse. Peter was teaching, or preaching, and he's preaching along and he says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent. Or let me back up to the 37th verse. He's preaching along, and then the people in the crowd say unto him, Well, they said, Now they heard this, and they were pricked in their heart, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? They asked. And Peter answered and said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the remissions of sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, as many as the Lord our God should call. Notice, there was no distinction made that this is for some people and for, not for others. The promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So that idea that it's for some people and not for others is not so. No, it's for those that come in, those that repent and receive and are baptized in the name of the Lord and receive Jesus, they qualify for the gift of the Holy Ghost. And notice that Peter called it a gift here in verse 38. He said, shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. See, we're talking about how the Holy Ghost is a gift to the church. They shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Guys, I trust that you were blessed here. And remember, you can follow the ministry on Facebook and on YouTube. You can continue to get updates and um, information about what is going on in the ministry, the places that we're going to, the meetings that we're um, hosting and everything like that. And thank you to all my partners who continually pray and sow and give into the ministry. I'm so grateful for you and for what your part is in this. And thank God that we have uh, wonderful partners that are faithful to do uh, their part. And remember that God is moving mightily. Remember to stay full of the Holy Ghost and get ready to be used of God because this thing is wrapping up really soon. All right, we'll see you next time.